Hello and welcome to episode 299 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett, and it is transfer deadline day. Over the next few hours, the pair of us will speak to a number of fans from various different clubs, including Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Everton, West Ham, Tottenham, and the pair of us will chime in to talk about the other bits of notable business too. We're beginning these recordings around 6pm this evening and we'll be continuing for the next few hours. So we should have a fairly good grasp of what is and isn't happening. If anything crazy happens, I'll be sure to mention the time of the recording and follow up with those fans if and when possible. Now that we've got that out of the way, TK, Mm. hopefully we have an interesting evening ahead. Mixed emotions throughout, I think, and uh, plenty of interesting people joining us. no pressure, but I think we could at least get the Talksport gig in January if all goes to plan here. <laughs> is that the uh, in the Kundian O'Hara mold? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, like, I look at them and I see that that can be the stepping stone. And I don't hold Kave and Darmesh much ahead of those, <laughs> but I do hold them ahead of those. So, you know, every bit at a time. I think Kevin and Domesh are taking themselves seriously as a concern. I think at least the other two kind of know they're bastards. It could be worrying if, much like the goals show or uh, whatever they call it on a Saturday, if like deadline day switched over and people were tuning into BT Sport instead, it could be (laughs) curtains for Sky at that point. They'd have to pack it in. They'd actually have to bring Latisse back just to try and get some eyes on. Yeah, I mean... In terms of schedule, we've got everyone scheduled for around about the same amount of time. I'm sure someone's going to be late. So if one segment is slightly shorter than the other, then you can probably blame them. But we will get straight into it now. It isn't easy to track down Everton fans, but we have just about managed to do it. We had Cam on last week. We promised we'd have Cam back for this week. Cam, good to have you with us on deadline day. Absolutely. Good to be back. Fans wanted it. Here I am. (laughs) I mean, the fans wanted more signings and you have just about got some more signings in. Uh, At the time of recording this, your incomings are Amadou Onana for 31.5 million from Lille, 21.6 million for Dwight McNeil from Burnley, 10.62 million for Neil Mopé from Brighton, James Tarkovsky on a free, Connor Cody on a loan, Ruben Vinagra on a loan, James Garner for around 15 million from oh, Man United. That's 9 million rising. Okay, okay, thank you. And uh, Idrissi Gay on a free from PSG. Two Outgoings. Idrissi Gay. Are you sure? I'm going yeah, all of... I've, I've, I've read that it's 2 million. All right, every fee I've got here, and I'll confirm this for the episode, is from Transfermarkt. So add ons aren't counting basically um, i didn't mean to didn't mean to uh negate some of your credibility there it's all good i'll have to, I have to silence you uh when we do the edit um <laughs> outgoing richarlison 52.2 million to spurs delhi alley loan to besiktas john joe kenny if you can believe that has been released chink Tosson finally off the books fabian delph off the books gilfie sigurdsson off the books and anwar al ghazi that legendary loan has ended now, first question I have for you, Cam. If we talk about what you've brought in first, it looks like midfield was the key area you targeted. You've got Onana, Garner, Gay, and they've been added to a core of Alan, Decore, Gomez, who I know you're trying to ship out currently, and Tom Davis. Just how much do you think the level has been raised at Everton in terms of your midfield this summer? 
I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say, looking at it now, now the transfer window's um, almost shut. I would actually say significantly, um, which might be a surprise because you've got the names like Gomez, Allen, um, Decore, big names. Um, but Gomez and Allen hadn't <laughs> big names in. I mean, they're established names, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, no, they're established true. players, at top level, as in. Napoli, Gomez played for Valencia. Um, but Barcelona big, for uh, yeah, Gomez. You, you don't have to justify them to us. There you go. Well, it was the smirk and the laugh that uh, <laughs> required justification. You can hear so. our smirk. But, but um, oh, I could tell, Luca, you're, you're constantly wearing a smirk. Um, what I would say is Gomez and Alan, you know, they're aging players, big wages, um, not the most mobile, which. It, you know, in the Premier League these days, I feel like that centre midfield needs to be mobile. It needs to be agile, up and down. Um, and we've brought that in. You can see with Onana and Ghana, um, Onana's 20, Ghana's 21. Um, young legs in there. Um, Idrissa Gay, I think, is going to greatly improve that. Uh, he was a beast when he was with us. Went to PSG, didn't quite work out from there, but he's been around top quality players. So that's only going to help. Uh, so I would actually say significantly in that, respect to the center um dwight mcneil you know that's oh, hey, we'll get we'll get on to them we'll get on to them don't, I would don't you worry mcneil uh, midfielder well outside of thierry Henry, arsene wenger was always a very big proponent of you don't go back once you've gone you've gone turn down fabregas plenty others how do you feel about gay coming back is there any issue with look you can't just come trudging back here because things didn't go your way or are you not in a position to be able to turn your nose up don't think we're in a position to be able to turn our nose up <laughs> uh, at all. You couldn't you can also fault him for moving to PSG. The no, way no, he would fair. have been offered would have been significantly more. It's a little bit like Pete Davidson's going, no, no, I don't want to get back with you, kids. I think, I don't <laughs> think you're in a position there, son. I think you just take what you can. I think Pete Davidson's actually in a position where you do just see what's next. A surprising amount of power, yeah, it's true. <laughs> um, are you expecting gay to come in and be a starter because that's quite if you look at the money spent on Ghana, the money spent on um onana obviously i don't know how many you're going to plan to play in the middle um i think onana definitely um watched him against leeds and i haven't watched him against leeds i thought he was really good um good at breaking up play made a lot of challenges you know had a few conversations with uh some of my friends feel like maybe there's a young Yaya Torre there. Who knows? Um, <laughs> Ghana, I think, Ghana, I think, is more of one... Immediately, I think Ghana is going to be more of kind of a squad player um, coming off the bench, not going to be starting, but one for the future. Um, quite happy with that signing, especially for the price. Um, I was going to say, for that money, Twitter. that feels like almost a risk-free signing. The way he played last yeah. year at Forest for 15 yeah. mil. It's... 11 assists from CDM position. Um, you know, he got them helped. Well, I didn't say he got them, but he significantly helped get them promoted. So, yeah, I mean, you look at the United fans, they speak very highly of him. Um, they're not happy that he's been let go, especially for that price. So I think, you know, initially he's going to be a squad player, um, which I'm fine with. Um, but, you know, there's, he's only 21 years years old. And then I think Idrissa Gay, I could see him slotting in there. He's good, He does a job. Uh, you know, he's kind of poor man's Kante, but that's not to discredit what he does um, because he does do a lot. Um, and then you look at Decore, who's been injured. He'll be coming back soon. So, um, no, quite pleased with that centre centre midfield reinforcements. 
There's a lot of people Not staring so- up their relegation predictions for you with um, Torre and Kante in the middle of the park. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to say, TK? I say I'm not going to. I'm not going to say that United fans are easily distracted by a shiny new toy, but they seem significantly less bothered about Garner the minute Casemiro got through the door. <laughs> so, yeah, he's quite a good young player. He's only played in the Championship, hasn't he? So if he has to go... Well, I mean, even... the ones I'm seeing are more annoyed at the fact that they've still got McTominay and they've let Garner go. Wow, yeah. That, McTominay, that but they've let Garner go at 21. Um, no, you can't really compare him to Casemiro five-time Championship. To stick with Garner, Cam, um, so you brought him in in the last days of the window after being linked with him for probably the majority of the summer. Now, you've had mixed success from buying from the, inverted commas, big clubs before. When you look at Walcott, Iwobi, Deli Ali, Donny, Delph. Does this Garner one feel different considering the stage of his career that you're purchasing him? Yeah, absolutely. I think we're buying on potential. He's not an established Premier League player, but there's a lot of potential there. So... I think from that sense, it sounds as though we're getting a player at the right time. Look at Man United at the moment. They need players in that are going to give them immediate success. They haven't got the time to kind of develop players, especially with the pressure managers are being put under. So probably should, but (laughs) they're never going to. It probably should go with some young players. Absolutely. Well, they they should, but it's also right. You got to look at a, a policy of signing players that rhyme with each other historically works so Nana and Ghana Hoddle and Waddle it's just I think Everton could learn from this if, if we Absolutely. could do uh, an offer you, you won't have expected to hear today Cam uh, if we could do a bit of role play for a moment um, well, you said it's going to be a long night we, we hear so much about these famous Frank phone calls now <laughs> if I'm Amadou Onana I've got an offer on the table from oh, West Ham European why do you football. want me to be Frank why don't you be Frank <laughs> because well, I think you've got more of an insight you're setting me up for failure here No, well I need, to, I need to know the rationale I've got an offer on the table from West Ham European football, this side looks like they're on the up what do you say here to charm me because someone told him something sensational for him to turn his head you've charmed me um, <laughs> so, well, if, look, I think West Ham what Moyes has done at West Ham is, is, is great, he had a really good season last year but is this you talking as Frank? For, there's something... This is me as Frank. There's something to be said for the impact of the fans can have on a club. Now, all I have to do is point back to those games, those key games, last three games, fighting relegation. The fans have dragged the club out of it. This is a historic club, never relegated in the Premier League. You know, there's a lot to be said here. And we'll pay you more. So, um, <laughs> come and that was, It uh, sounds to me like he's slamming the West Ham fans there. We should keep him on. When I'm they not, not slamming the West Ham fans, but I'm saying like, you know, I if, could have if been mistaken to, for it. If you want to go to a <laughs> library, go to a West Ham. Library. Want to do some <laughs> athletics. He, he is right about the Everton fans at the end of last year, though. That that was I, pretty, probably the most I've seen a, a group of fans have an impact on a team because, let's face it, the manager and the team were god-awful. So something had to give. And it's the fans <laughs> that probably helped. Cam, yeah. uh, I've just got a couple more things before we let you go. So, Richarlison was obviously going to dictate like the major stories around your window. Um, we won't cover those disgraceful keep you up as he did on Sunday. If if I told you on the final day of last season that you get just over fifty million for him after staying up, would you have been happy with that price? No. What price well, would you have been thinking? Seventy-five. Four. I me. 
What if we told you you wouldn't replace him? Well, Man United. Well, that, that's the next question. <laughs> Man United just spent on Anthony and Richarlison's Brazil's number. Yeah, yeah. I don't see any issues with that price. Not, not for long. Um, what that United I, tax. What if I told you he was going to be replaced by Neil Mopé? Then how would you have been feeling? <laughs> Hundred mil. I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been happy. Wouldn't have been happy. No. Um, but I take it for what it is. Richarlison was our best player um, as a starting striker for Brazil um, wanted Champions League football we weren't in the best financial position didn't have much flexibility with financial fair play it's one of those sales which is kind of works for the player works for the club works for the club he's going to so it just makes sense from that perspective don't begrudge Rich Allison gave his all um, to keep us up helped significantly with that um, and we'll always admire him as a footballer and a man. <laughs> well, I don't want to take credit entirely for calling Neil Mopé to Everton last week, but maybe Frank was listening to the episode. I have given him a lot of support over the time on here. Um, what do you think the rationale was behind the Mopé signing? Is it that you wanted the Premier League experience? Is it that just the other targets didn't come through? Is it that the bulk of the budget you chose to portion that to the midfield instead like what do you think is the thinking here of him being the guy that ultimately is going to replace Richarlison um well my like what Frank is doing with the club now and the team is making us hard to beat I think that's fair to say um we haven't conceded that many uh I know we haven't won any games yet but he's bothered about stuff that, like that really <laughs> you look at how, how the back four is Tarkovsky Cody um you've got now got Adrissa Gay Onana it's it, they're players which are you know ball winning players going to be it's just setting the team up to be hard to beat I, I actually, the more I think about it, I guess whenever ever someone signs for a club, it, it, you slowly come around to the idea. Um, I think we probably wanted Brozier from from Chelsea, number one option. Didn't happen or hasn't happened yet. You know, there's still a few hours left. Um, but just fits into it. You know, we've got some players which are just, you know, you need a shithouse in every team, don't you really? You know? And he's Both one of the best in the league at that. So he's just going to be, you know, one of those players. And every team needs that, and I like it. You know, you add him into it. There's a, there's a lot of experience. What we I feel like we've got a really good blend now of kind of experienced players, but also that a young core as well. If you look at you know Gordon, Isaiah Onana, um, Garner, um, Patterson, Mikalenko, uh, there's a young core, but there are there's also significant Premier League experience in there. So it's always good to have that blend. We really needed the striker for the price that we've got him in. It's not a bad deal. I think he scored eight goals last season, um, which isn't a bad return. Um, he's not going to be first choice when DCL um, is fit, but you know, you never know how long DCL is going to be fit oh. for. So, but I think <laughs> it's fair. overall it's a good signing, good backup to have um, for the position we're in. All right, last two questions then. So. Just a thing with Mope, actually. He loves playing against us, so if that was any incentive for you, um, he's always an absolute bastard against us since he nearly killed Leno. Um, Anthony Gordon. This one, for a couple of weeks, we kind of expected to happen. We thought that once 50 to 60 million was put on the table in front of Everton, that was going to be hard to turn down when you did need to add people up front and across the pitch. Are you surprised that Everton did resist in the end and do you think that'll be something that they come to regret? Surprised that we resisted, yes. Um, 
60 million pounds for you know if you're basing it off of stats last year then you know it's a lot of money for the assists and goal return that he got so very surprised that we managed to resist are we going to regret it um if he stays fit no because the boy is boy special he's got a lot of talent about him very direct you don't find too many players as direct i would say at that age as gordon in the premier league especially you know that are homegrown yeah so and you can see this season he's starting to add that end product he scored two and two um did you see the turn he did on that leads the leads right back uh in the week as well sensational yeah, it was so I just see a lot of raw ability, which is hopefully, you know, as long as he stays fit, I think we'll be demanding a bigger fee than 60 million um, for him at the end of the year. If push should um, come to show, would you have taken the Gallagher plus Broja deal for him? And the 25 mil, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that would have been a silly deal. I, to be fair, there was a lot of, I mean, there are reports coming out now saying Chelsea didn't want to go above 40. So I'm not really sure. You don't know what to believe, really. I think Chelsea probably did offer 60. Now they're probably just... It takes a brave man not to believe Ornstein. They're probably just putting that information out there saying, oh, we didn't want to go above 40 because they don't want to get fleeced by every club now. Um, (laughs) So, Um, Just finally, Cam, Deli Ali has been loaned out to Besiktas. Can you tell us what your expectations were when he signed and the point you realised that this just wasn't going to end well? expectations weren't expectations where it was a gamble for us but a gamble I don't remember be them worth. being that by your reaction <laughs> a gamble that could be worth it could pay off 40 million you know, he well it's technically a free and no it could have been worth 40 you and you said it would it have been at been, the time no he said it could have been worth 40 but you had to look at the structure of the deal. I think people often you see the forty million as the headline, but the actual structure of the deal clearly has worked in our favour. Um, but in terms of my expectations when he jo- when he joined, he was a gamble. You know, he'd shown immense potential when he was at Spurs. Didn't work out for him, um, and by all accounts now, you can tell that's because he doesn't have the work ethic, um, yeah. which is a shame because there's a lot of talent in there. But it seems as though he's got the big name happy to sit on his wage doesn't train very well and I think for a manager like Frank who would have been under a lot of stress um, <laughs> at the end of last season at the beginning of this season fighting for his job if you're going into training every day and you got someone like Deli Ali who you know has got the potential but just can't be bothered to yeah. put the work in it's just never gonna work you kind of need a really laid-back manager for that to happen with um, point that just it, it just it never kicked in. I mean, I do remember the game against um, his Palace. Was it was it Palace when who we beat? It was like his two? second game or some. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, it was Palace. Yeah, end of the season. Palace, yeah, came from end behind. Of the season. He came on and he was really, he was he was great that game. Um, when he came on and then at that point I thought, oh hang on, this could be a player that uh, he could maybe he could rediscover his form. Ultimately, it hasn't. Um, I wouldn't say there's a particular moment when I've said you know this is the moment where it hasn't worked. It's just been a case of Frank clearly doesn't like what he's seen in training, hasn't been starting him. And therefore, you know, ultimately it's a good deal for us if we can get any transfer fee for him without having to pay, pay something. He did pick himself up an American supermodel girlfriend over the summer though. And she's gone to Turkey with him. So looks like everyone's lived happily ever after, but thank you for joining us, Cam. We've got other fans to get on. So we'll bid you farewell and we'll get you back on when, uh, Onana shows us his Yaya Torre like tendencies. Thank you. You never shine so bright. Everton. <laughs>
You never shine so bright. See you later, boys. Adios. Cheers. I've actually managed it. I've managed to track down not one United fan, but two United fans to talk about their transfer business in this window. Uh, the charmer has gone running. He's insisted that he's at the game tonight, but I can't be too sure. But we still do still have plenty to get into. We've got Goff here. We've got Brad here. And let's start with the incomings at United. Anthony, these are all from transfer marks, by the way. No add-ons are included before anyone gets on at me like Cam did. Anthony, 85.5 million from Ajax. Casemiro, 63.59 million from Madrid. Lisandro Martinez, 51.63 million from Ajax. Tyrell Malassia, 13.5 from Feyenoord. Christian Eriksen on a free. That's 214.22 million without add ons included. Outgoings, you've got Andreas Pereira, 8.5 million to Fulham. Eric Bailly, a 2 million loan fee to Marseille. Paul Pogba, was released uh, with all of his witchcraft. Jesse Lingard released to Nottingham Forest. Matic released, he's gone to Roma. Cavani's gone to Valencia. Alex Tellers has been loaned to Seville. Dean Henderson has been loaned to Nottingham Forest. And Juan Mata is still without a club. So they've brought in around 10.35 million. Now, back in June, the transfer of Frankie de Jong to United seemed a matter of when rather than if. We've seen many bumps in the road since then with De Jong insisting he doesn't want to join United. De Jong intimating that he'd rather go to prison than join United. De Jong proposing to his missus to thank her for sticking by him while he's even linked to Man United. To Chelsea throwing several <laughs> million pounds at him to save him from United. To him now reportedly taking a pay cut to avoid joining Man United. Goff, how much has this saga taken out of you? And how disappointed are you that you won't get to see him in a United shirt? I don't think for a second I've ever kidding myself who's going to come anyway, to be honest. It was, we've seen it before anyway, haven't we, with the likes of Tony Cruz, Fabregas, Bale. Not much change in terms of how we, we try and woo someone to come to United. If it's not happening in the first couple of weeks, we end up spending the whole summer wasting our time, um, which obviously led us to where we are now. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I didn't for a second let myself really get my hopes up. There's always that little bit, obviously, where you think, Maybe this might happen, but as soon it, when he wasn't given any indication whatsoever of, of wanting to come, I understand he had the whole contract dispute with with Barca. But if you if you really really wanted to go, then you'd just you'd go over and then sort that out yeah. once you signed, wouldn't you? Barcelona insists today that an unnamed club has bid one hundred million for Frankie De Jong, and we all know that's Chelsea. We don't even have to think about it. <laughs> I like the idea that United had a lower bid accepted and Chelsea, just as a point of showing off, <laughs> a bid higher just later on in the window to try and get things sorted. Now, the alternative, it seems, to Frankie de Jong was Casemiro from Real Madrid. He's 30 years old, has played alongside Fred in the Brazilian national team. He's a five-time Champions League winner and has now joined United for a fee of around £70 million, including the add-ons. Brad, what do you think about this deal? the message it sends regarding the rebuild and whether he was the right alternative to fit into this United side? I think it's more a case of just fitting someone in at the moment. I think that's what they've tried doing. Um, I don't think if he was looking at a rebuild in terms of long term, it was never going to be, you wouldn't be looking at Casemiro to bring in. Um, and he has overpaid for a 30, million, uh, a 30 year old, the amount of money he's paid. But at the same time, 
as a United fan, when you've had to watch Fred and McTominay <laughs> for the last two years, bringing in Ericsson and Casemiro as your holding midfielder and a little bit a little bit of creativity with Ericsson, I don't think it's a bad window. But yeah, as you said, rebuild-wise, it's, it's definitely a short-term fix rather than a long-term fix. So be interesting to see who they look at next summer in terms of right we've we've sorted the issue out for a season um what can we do now to look at a long-term three five-year plan at what point did McTominay get downgraded from McSauce back to McTominay because it seems to have happened tonight almost at once (laughs) (laughs) he went from McSauce to just being lumped in the spread and now he's he's just done (laughs) He, he was McSauce in my head until I actually said his name. He was still, he was definitely McSauce against Liverpool the other week. Well, with with Casemiro, it's a game by all, game basis. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> with all that's said about his age and all of that, we we travelled to Old Trafford on Sunday with currently Lokonga at the heart of our midfield. It feels a lot different travelling to play against him than it does travelling to play against McTominay sat in there or Ericsson sat in there. So you've got to think for rival teams going to play you, he is something that you are going to have to make a plan for. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's no doubt in his quality, uh, but yeah, like I said, it's not a it's not a long term fix, is it? It's a it's very much a short term fix. And I think for um, Ericsson Hug this year, it's just about getting back into the Champions League. I think that's probably his sole aim. Is obviously there's obviously these talks about oh we've got to be challenging for titles with the amount of money we spent realistically you might win I don't know a Carling Cup or an FA Cup if you're really lucky um, depending on how poor Man City decide to rate that those trophies because they normally just chuck their kids out for the yeah. first first four or five rounds and then when they get to the final they put an half decent team out um, but yeah you might win one of those but realistically you're not you're not going to get close to I don't think anyone's going to get close to Man City I know Arsenal have started very well but I think I don't think anyone's getting close to Man City this season, not the way they're playing at the moment. Um, and I think it's just about just a case of get us back in the Champions League and then we can try and attract the younger, as I said, longer term yeah. projects. Um, so I think that's kind of what Eric Ten Hag's probably thinking about at the moment. He's got, show, he's got to show a vast improvement on last season. Last season we were closer to getting relegated than we were to winning the league. So, <laughs> Yeah. Chelsea have just agreed a deal for Zachariah, so there were cheaper alternatives out there, but Casemiro, I'm sure, is the one you'd rather have. Um, after the... in, sorry, just adding to what Brad said there, I totally agree with him that it's more like a, a two-year thing with Casemiro and Eriksen, really. And like like you said, just to get us back competing again. Obviously, with the whole De Jong thing panning out the way it did, I'm assuming they just looked at whatever top-quality like holding the field as we're out there and which ones would actually be willing to come to us and just so happened that Casemiro said yes because we chucked enough money towards it it seems strange because him and De Jong are such different players that he would be the alternative but I do acknowledge there aren't many players that are like De Jong on the market so maybe he was just a one-off yeah I think De Jong he's he's your ball playing six isn't he Casemiro is more your defensive midfielder who it, obviously he can play a bit. He wouldn't be wouldn't have won the Champions League five times and be pretty much a starter from Brazil every time they play a game if he wasn't decent. But he's not really he's not the same as De Jong in terms of ball playing ability. He hasn't probably got the mobility of De Jong either. Um, but he does. He has no nonsense. He just sits in there. He breaks it up, and then 
if you've got the creativity of players like Ericsson and well, I'm yet to see Bruno's creativity in the last six months. So hopefully that'll start finding its way back. I know he scored at the weekend, but um, hopefully with that creativity, the, the games we struggled in the most last season, I think were games against poor opposition yeah. where we struggled to break them down. Um, McTominay and Fred are very much, they're hard workers, they're, they're steely, they work hard. But other than that, they don't, they don't really have that quality to break a team down, which I think, having Casemiro in there just to stop counter-attacks and then you've got Christian Eriksen to try and pick the lock. I think it definitely looks a lot better um, against those weaker teams. Let's face it as well, in the the holding midfield, right, it has been treated like United need either or in terms of a De Jong or a Casemiro. uh, As in, they need creativity or they need someone to break up the play. They needed both in there. When you looked at Fred McTominay, you were watching games thinking, well, they're not really doing the job they're supposed to be, which is doing the dirty work and keeping it tight. Because you watch Man United, they'd be wide open still. But then, as Brad said, and as anyone who's watched Fred McTominay will know, they're not going to create much either. So they kind of weren't doing either end of the job. How successful Casemiro will be will be how effectively United can get a creator next to him, probably, if that's Ericsson or if that's a new signing. As they did try to improve defensively, after the Brentford game, everyone was up in arms about Hasbulla Martinez and the fact that he was too small <laughs> to be a Premier League centre-back. Since then, United have beaten Liverpool, Southampton, and fans are telling us that Jiminy Cricket's height isn't an issue at all. He won five aerial duels with Shea Adams, if you didn't know that. Um, Goff, where do you stand on this one now? Because people seem very down in the dumps after Brentford, but we're being told the complete opposite after Southampton. I think people just need to pick on someone their own size, really, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he's actually, other than Brentford, he, he's he's been all right. It was easy to make a scapegoat out of him because, yeah, it, it was like a welcome to the Premier League for him. He didn't play well. But um, he, there's a player in there, definitely. And as you say, he he won quite a few draws against uh, Che Adams. Um, no one wants to talk about how much six-foot-one Kula Bali um, struggled against Che Adams the other night, but they're happy to talk about Martinez and his lack We're happy of to on this pod. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, um, there's a certain Arsenal fan I know who was twerking for uh, for Martinez on Twitter, but he's since deleted all of his tweets. Um, <laughs> no, 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 no tweets deleted, and I wanted him as a left back, and that was before I knew we were going for Zinny Chenks. Okay, unless you're talking about another Arsenal fan, yeah. I, I might be. You never know. He did. He didn't name you specifically. He didn't. Either <laughs> no, I didn't. That, that was very defensive there. Well, <laughs> Anthony joined at the beginning of this week for around good, eighty. Sorry, just to, sorry. On the Martinez, and the good news is Luke doesn't like when a defender is unfairly judged on a debut against Brentford. So he he won't judge him on that, I'm sure. <laughs> it wasn't his debut. I think with Mart- Martinez, before we just switch <laughs> on to Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare compare him to Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, talking about Martinez, I know it's obviously the first two games, it's never looking good. And the problem is he's not really, he's not blessed with too much pace either. But his calm and composure on the ball, which I noticed mainly when I watched him against Liverpool, there was times that, like, you see Maguire playing against anyone. <laughs> there it is. And, that, that's basically what it's down to. Wow, you've seen Maguire. Well, no, you see Maguire playing against anyone and everything just seems to be like, oh, he's like stretched a leg and he's managed to, like, nick it away or something. Whereas Martinez seems to read the game a little bit better when he does get the ball, he's just a little bit more composed. But it was a couple of times that him and Malassia played out against Liverpool. And it was just like, last season, 
we'd like get a toe in there, we'd give away a throw-in that we wouldn't set from the throw-in and we'd just be defending again. Whereas with Malassia and Martinez, it looks like, oh, we've won the ball comfortably now and now we can play a little bit. And it just takes that. It it seems stupid, but just giving your defenders that extra 30 seconds because you've got the ball to actually compose themselves rather than just being defending for 90 minutes. Mm. Yesterday, if you watch Liverpool against Newcastle, I, d- I didn't see the first half. I only probably saw the last 35, 40 minutes. But Newcastle just kept giving it away. And then eventually you've got a crack. You can't just continue continually defend for that period of time without giving something away. And I think, yeah, Newcastle obviously were very unlucky to concede a really late really late goal to, to lose the game. But again, if you put yourself under that much pressure because you're consistently defending... You're asking for problems, aren't you? You've got to be able to be a bit more composed when you do get the ball and just try and play through uh, the opposition. I'll just shift us on just to make sure we get through everything. So Anthony joined at the beginning of this week for around £85 million or £100 million if you want to make it sound better for the soundbite. Um, What do we think of this deal? Because... Actually, no, I'll ask you that first before I ask you the secondary question. What do we think of €100 million for Anthony? I'll let Goff go first if you want, Goff. Um, <laughs> thanks, Matt. <laughs> I'll go okay. first if you want. I'll yeah, go on then. Go on. I think he, like, he's only had a year in European football, so he's got an awful lot to prove. Um, but I don't think from what we've seen, we can't say there is potential. Like, we can say for a, a fact there's definitely potential there. So I think it's a case of it's a lot of money for a very young lad who's only had one year in Europe. But yeah, like I said, a lot of potential. And he's... Yeah, you can just see like the way he handles himself, the little clips you see of him in training and stuff like that, and the games he plays in. You you are thinking, yeah, we've got a bit of a player here, but yeah, I'd probably say we have overpaid. But I don't know how you rate potential in terms of value. Um, yeah, I, I'd say it's probably a little bit over what we'd want. Don't worry, to pay neither for does someone. anyone at United. So yeah, <laughs> get a job there hopefully. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah, like I said, probably just about. Well, definitely overpaid, but yeah, how do you really rate potential? I, I don't know in terms of in terms of value. Well, Man United reportedly refused to offer a similar amount for Darwin Nunes earlier in the window. Goff, do you think these funds could have been better allocated elsewhere? And dare I ask, which of the two players you'd rather have? That's a good question, actually. Possibly, yeah. There's, as Brad said, there's probably no question that we have overpaid for Anthony. Um, it is a, it, a lot of it is going to be based on what he can bring to the team. Obviously, the manager knows him anyway. Um, would I? I think if Ronaldo wasn't going, then yeah, we'd we'd need. Sorry, if if Ronaldo, Ronaldo yeah, yeah. was definitely going, then yeah, I hundred percent said, why couldn't we spend the money on on Nunes? But I think if money was no object, we could. That that's that's two positions we would need to sort out anyway, an extra striker and and the winger, thanks to Greenwood. But um but no, I'm I'm happy that I'm happy to put the trust in the manager on this one, based on the fact that he's played for him before. He obviously sees something in him which he can help bring to United. And it's it's obviously a, a long term transfer compared to like the Casemiro's or the Ericsson's. Um but yeah, there's, there's no doubt that we have definitely overpaid. But then again, in the market, there's been a lot of that. You see people yeah, yeah. like Gibbs White going for £45.5 million, for example. Um, the only issue being Anthony doesn't have that English tax. 
Well, the most <laughs> thing I saw about the deal was the fact that only five million of the deal is add-ons, and that's for a deal of that size. For it to be, and this is in euros, the ninety-five guaranteed is crazy. You almost never see that. No, it's normally like eighty plus twenty, isn't it, to make yeah. up the hundred million? But, Same. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that he wouldn't have taken the chance on him if he wasn't really impressed with his one season at Ajax with yeah. Eric Ten Hag. So. You've, you've got to trust him and like it, he's he's made two signings like like Goff just said that uh immediate impact in terms of Casemiro Eriksson um then you've got the likes of Anthony and Malassia who are probably they're like they're your five five year long term and Lissandro is probably somewhere in between um because he's only is he what 24 25 I think so yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he's going to be there for five years isn't he at least um so yeah I think I think he's probably got a good balance of players in obviously I'm assuming we signed Dubravka as well, which would be a good, Easy. good little been addition. It's been confirmed now, yeah. So, yeah, it'd be a good little addition as well. I would have personally liked an extra right back because I, I think well, I made my feelings pretty I've clear on one second. I've got a second on that. I've got right, I'll, two I'll, questions I'll left. On. I'll ask you, Goff. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo has been angling for a move since early in the summer, as you uh, referred to. And it seems like now he's stuck at Old Trafford. How much of a problem do you think he's going to be? And is there a way he forced his way back into the starting lineup? I think as long as he's happy, he's obviously had a word with Ten Hag in, in terms of him agreeing to stay till January. If he really wanted to go, I'm sure there was a way he could buy himself out of the contract or, or whatnot. But... Um, if he's happy to sit on the bench and not start every game, then fair enough. Um, it will it'll all just come down to how the team plays. We've seen that, obviously, last season, without his goals, things would have been a lot worse. But it's well it's been well talked about how the team plays around him and the balance or the unbalance he brings to the team when he plays. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I would be happy for him to be second choice but it's just it's just who do you start instead of because we haven't really got a lot of options through that that number nine position other than Martial and Rashford. Martial's constantly injured. I did see him patting a few people on the back uh, before you played Liverpool, so I don't think you have to worry about his attitude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely no no worries there. But and and he but... and he came over and hugged the pundits, which obviously <laughs> you know. Which you know he's had no opportunity to do since he's been back, but now he needs a good bit of PR. He's done it both times. Weird, entirely coincidental, obviously. But we've got his absolutely. interview coming up that he promised a few weeks back. Um, yeah, well, he's, he's obviously going to say you always wanted to stay. This is all just media, <laughs> media shit. I, I think would, if I think if, if I we was could keep Hag, Martial him out straight after the Liverpool game. Well, let me ask a question, Brad, because I think this is going to tie into the same thing. So. As we referred to, we were promised a rebuild before the window began, and so most expected there to be some significant outgoings. If I reel, if I reel you off some names, can you tell me who you're most surprised to still see in trading photos at Carrington? I've got one Bissaka, <laughs> Harry Maguire, and Anthony Martial. I won't ask you about Phil Jones. One <laughs> Bissaka for me. I think you had offers for him, by the way, and United turned them down. Yeah, I think they were looking to make sure they had a replacement, weren't they, before they actually got rid of him, which got was... Yeah, I don't know why we haven't gone for Des, especially seeing that it's a loan with a 20 million option, isn't it, for Milan? Yeah, and Mornier is uh, being offered out as well. Yeah, well, I, just, I don't see why we would have kept it. I think I've made my feelings pretty clear on one second in previous podcasts, to be fair, but 
Since then, I've made his feelings pretty clear from the jump as well. Yeah, yeah Niles up for grabs too. I would honestly take him just for his penalties alone. Those Carl Walker Peters actually, if you were going to chuck money a bit. Not sure. Um, so yeah, much better. Maguire. Wow. Is obviously, our club captain, so I can't. I'm not surprised to still see him there. I'm glad that he he's. Well, I'm hoping he's not starting tonight. Team's about to be announced, isn't it? So I'm hoping he's not playing tonight. Um, we just look so much better without him. Um, and Tony, I still think there's a player there. I'd just like to see him fit regularly. And I think when he, I know he had a little cameo up top against Liverpool, but when he came on, I thought he was pretty impressive. He kept the ball well. He's always sure. standing against us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just fit, unfit for every other game. He's just injured against anyone else. Sees Liverpool coming up, he's like, yeah, I'm ready, boss. <laughs> but All yeah, right. Wan-Bissaka would be the one I'm surprised about the most. Right. Well, we have other people to speak to. I'm sure you've got United to watch. So we'll bid you farewell for now. Doesn't look like United are going to do any more business in this window. Maybe a few outgoings, but uh, maybe uh, if the game goes my way on Sunday, we'll have you back on next week. But uh, maybe not if it goes the other way. <laughs> I thought it might be that way. But he's been transparent, I guess. All right. Cheers, bye. Cheers, TK. Adios. Cheers, guys. Cheers, gents. We will now move on to Arsenal then, uh, a topic that's been stressing me out for the past 84 days of this transfer window are still stressing me out and I'm sure will continue to stress me out for the rest of the evening. It's important to say now that at this moment in time, Arsenal haven't signed anyone on deadline day. I think we both have our fingers crossed that we will, but maybe I'll tag something on the end here or I do have something on the linked target that if we're going to get anyone, it does seem we'll get over the line. The, in terms of ingoings and outgoings so far, Gabriel Jesus for 46.98 million from Man City, Alexander Zinchenko 31.5 million from Man City, Fabio Vieira 31.5 million from Porto, Matt Turner for 5.73 million from uh, New England Revolution, Marquinhos for 3.15 million from Sao Paulo, and if you want to count it, William Saliba returning from his loan at Marseille. Outgoings, Gwenduzi is gone for just under 10 million to Marseille. Lucas Torreira, 5.4 million to Galatasaray. Bernd Leno, an initial 3.24 million to Fulham. Them being good, maybe we'll get us an extra couple. Uh, Konstantinos Mavropanos, 2.88 million to Stuttgart. The pig has been released and he's gone to Lyon. <laughs> Nicolas Pepe has been loaned to Nice. Nuno Tavares has been loaned to Marseille. Pablo Mari has been loaned to Monza. And Hector Bellerin is in the process of completing a free transfer to Barcelona. Now, Luke, if we jump straight in with it, Gabriel Jesus is undoubtedly Arsenal's marquee signing this window and regardless of what they do today unless they do something really mental in the next four hours um, he's going to remain their marquee signing how good does that something deal look right now it. yeah oh, for just over 45 Jesus. million probably it's 10 out of 10 easy I mean just for value and the player itself like can't put a foot wrong with him he's got three goals and three assists in his five league games so far TK, it was easy for us to get gassed up on this one. Did you envisage him starting this well? No, not this well. I thought it'd be, uh, sort of time, I thought it was a really good signing. Uh, I thought it'd definitely improve you. Frankly, you needed any sort of potent striker, really, yeah. uh, compared to what you had. Um, but he's already 
looked better than I expected already, better than I think I even saw him at City. Um, and he's, yeah, you, you look at a totally different prospect just by having him in the team. It's, even in games where he hasn't been as good as others, he's just been a constant threat, probably should have scored in the game. And you're always a threat, whereas so many games last year, you were looking and thinking, Arsenal don't have a goal in them here. No. Um, I mean, Zinchenko... Apart from, sorry. Sorry, I think apart from like the goals and assists, I think what I was screaming at the TV last night whilst watching the game was just energy, which, um, as you said, the pig, Lacazette, <laughs> uh, I, I, was, I was watching AZ's run through and I was like, Lacazette could never. And I was like... I just, <laughs> You, you know when you think the grab like you'll never get that good uh, good thing, but it's fine to come. And I, well, I'm just reaping rewards right now. Every clip of Hazy's running, it's like uh, someone just catching it. Like, like I said, would have had a stitch halfway through this. this or something. Yeah, <laughs> yes. the, the, the acceleration sprint. is amazing. Yeah, the the first sprint I saw from him in preseason, I swear there was a tear in my eye. <laughs> I mean, you got the old Vince McMahon <laughs> <laughs> uh, Zinchenko has then become one of our most important players already and I mean some are suggesting that the project inverted commas has moved past Tierney um, how I are we looking that, at actually. yeah that, that situation if, if you weren't surprised at the impact Jesus has made I've been quite surprised at the difference that, that Zinchenko has made within five games I think um, it's because, like, with Tierney being in and out of squad and being out for ages, like, and how the team has changed for for the the world um, over the summer and stuff like that. Um, like when Tierney was fully in the squad before, he made all those bombing runs to the end. Like, we don't need to do that now because we've got Martinelli as well. Like, if he just continues to be a strong like left back, put a push up now and again, but we don't need him to go all the way down to the byline and cross it in. Um, and I think, like, with, as you said, Zinchenko there as well, it's, it's a completely different way of playing. It's, it's just so easy on the ball, uh, just exudes confidence. Like, because sometimes, uh, well, we've seen Tierney be a bit erratic before. Yeah. But he played a lot better last night. Yeah, he had a bad game against uh, Fulham, yeah. but yeah, you can probably excuse that. I, I think he uh, he owes we owe him a little bit. Yeah. I think with Zinchenko, I go back to Gary Neville and it doesn't take him a lot to criticise Arsenal. He was complaining that oh, we haven't signed any leaders again in the squad. And you look at Zinchenko and just the energy that he seems to bring on that left-hand side in terms of talking, just in terms of pushing everyone to just set things up a little bit. I've lost count of the amount of players that are apparently the first ones in and the last one out. But he's another one that's been added to that list by the people that speak about him. And I don't know, the the flexibility that he has, it's not ideal that he's injured already. I did see what a, a Star Wars meme with someone saying you were supposed to solve the left-back crisis, uh, not add to it. <laughs> but he, he looks like a brilliant bit of business. And for all Arteta says, look, Man City are the level we want to reach he goes a, a long way to pointing out the difference in those levels and where we need to get to. Mm. Midfield was an area that we've been discussing all summer, TK. Um, we've gone for Douglas Louise today. We'll talk about him a bit later, but how much are we going to look back at this Fabio Vieira deal in a year's time? Because it's either a sensible purchase, we've got this guy right at the point when he's going to kick on, or we look back and go, why was that 31 and a half million not spent on a central midfielder that could start for this team right now? I mean, I think even if he turns out to be a really good player, it's not unfair to ask that question anyway. Um, 
because it, it doesn't feel like he should have been a priority. It does feel like, as you said, a central midfielder should have been. I, I said countless times, outside of a striker, I thought that was your next most urgent sort of uh, need for recruitment. Vieira could go one of two ways. And obviously, I've, in particular, not seen a lot of him because uh, I want to watch your pre-season or I'm sure you've he, gone he down YouTube play, compilation. He's been injured. I'm sure you've been down compilation wormholes and stuff as well that I yeah. am as well. Um, where he, he feels like one where you could end up going, well, look, he was just so good that we had to do this. Or in a few years' time, we could be going, do you remember that Fabio Vieira guy? Where's he at now? It, it really could go one or two ways. I do think he's going to have to be a pretty special talent to justify. Um, as you said, just it seems an odd thing that you've got him in when you've got more urgent priorities, I guess. Well, if you remember, there was the week when everything, I think it was probably about three weeks into the window and Arsenal fans were on cloud nine. Everything just looked like it was going to be rosy. And there was an article that dropped right around when we signed him. And it said that Arsenal saw him as an opportunity. He wasn't in the initial plans for the summer and he wouldn't impact the rest of the business. Arsenal still want to get uh, Rafinha over the line. They still want to get Tielemans over the line. No, I don't think... They named Tielemans. They said a central midfielder, but mm. it's not believed to be Tielemans. But they basically said, we're going to do all this other business and this Fabio Vieira one, don't put that on one side because that's not even going to be part of the, the same pot that we're talking about here. Now, it gets to deadline day and we're going to speak about this in a minute. We're saying we basically have to choose between a winger and a midfielder. We're having to scramble around at the last minute because we were happy with our business already. It's all very strange. The compilations of him do look very good. I remember, I think one Portuguese analyst said it and the entire Twitter was saying, you know, this guy looks to me a lot like Bernardo Silva. So how, do you, how do you know this? Like, where, where have you got this from? <laughs> and then you look on um, Transfer Marked and he actually started, he started on the bench more games than he completed 90 minutes last season. He's someone that's developed late. He's 22, but he hasn't been a regular in the team. He did get double digits in terms of goals and assists in his limited appearances, but this isn't someone in the Premier League that people are going to say, look, we don't need to sign another midfielder because if Granit Xhaka gets injured, we're going to slot him straight into that hole. I and think, it, um, you know, the old thing uh, for years, we've been trying to place Patrick Vieira. I think he just looked at him for, there we go. Just getting the job done. I think it works for the chance. It, it, yeah. It's worked very quickly. I don't know if how much history he knows or if he thinks people just really like him already. Yeah. But He hadn't even played with a chant in his name. No, he's, he's played a friendly game in the 21s and he only played 45 minutes there. Mm. Arteta's mad enough to bomb him out for that. He's like, well, look, I can't have someone chanting the name Vieira in the crowd, so you're going to have to go. Sorry, mate. Well, there was something where they said... Arsenal have basically told him we don't want you to bulk up because they like the idea of having this nifty little guy that they can put in an attacking eight position and he can kind of float his way around the pitch which seems mental to me because Martinelli the tenacity that he has he's had to spend the last two three years bulking up just because of how little he is in this league and Vieira looks like if you put wet clothes on him he's going to be weighed down yeah, well, that's the thing with Martinelli, he's been growing as well, like, yeah. naturally. But as you said, Vieira's 22, and he ain't going to get much bigger now. And it, he, he could just and easily now, get bullied. he bounce off players. But Edu spoke after the Everton game, and he said, our plan was already entirely in place. Now, does the 50 million bid for Rafinha and then a failure to recruit a winger later on, on yeah, ind- indicate that no, that wasn't, wasn't the case? 
Because mm. if the plan was that we're going to go this big for Rafinha because we need this guy that's going to challenge Saka on the right, Martinelli on the left, to then not go back in for when in the whole rest of the time. That doesn't make much sense. It makes no sense at all. Because yeah. like we already know, like everyone always says about Saka maybe burning out and things like that. And obviously got the World Cup coming up as well. Mm. Like um, added intensity. What well, depends how far England go, to be honest. But um, it's just again like more responsibility. And you know, I reckon Saka can handle it. But it's just that thing you need that of a bit. Even if you're a top player, you need someone else of a good standard behind you. Yeah. I mean, he didn't have that much with Pepe, but someone else with a good standard behind you just to keep pushing you to make sure you're in like you're in the team. Pepe was more than Marquinhos and Reese Nelson. The the revisionism around Reese Nelson, look, I understand the stories. Him, Sancho, Hudson-Odoi was supposed to be this trio of English talents and we were supposed to have the best one. Mm. The guy looks like a bum almost every single time he plays. He's gone to Holland and the coach has spoken about how he's too small, he doesn't have the intensity. We just seem to think now he's going to come back in here, play a couple of Europa League games and he's just going to pop off like Eddie has. And it's like... Oh, it's so frustrating. Did he go to a championship team? Um, no, he went to Hoffenheim and then he came back and then we had him for a year. He hardly got any appearances. He, he had the one where he nicked it off um, Van Dijk and scored oh, yeah, after yeah. Liverpool already won the league. And now he's just got injured, so we aren't going to be oh, able right. to sell him. But this squad just still feels like it's short and I'm left feeling like it's just a case of the same old same old we didn't sign a creative player in 2020 when Ertz was banished we didn't sign a centre forward in 2021 when Oba was shot to bits we didn't sign a centre forward or an eight in January 22 when we were desperate for one if we go back to 2020 there was a lot of hype when we got partying on deadline day but if you recall, the whole talk that summer was that it was going to be Awa and party because we were desperate for two midfielders Party still is the only starting midfielder we've brought in in the last five years. It, Did you see the stat? Like since he's been with us, he's played fifty-seven percent. Yeah, games. Uh, uh, that guy. Ridiculous. If we could sell him this window, I would. Oh, that's the thing. We we hold on. But, well, back in Wenger, he's hold on to players too long. I think he's another one. I've been arguing. Um, some of them, some of them backed it up though. Like it was, you could understand why. Like Wilshire and Rosicky, it was like, yeah, you're injury prone, but. We also don't want anyone else finding the form with you. We want to have yeah. that. This isn't the max games he started in a row is nine. He's not started any more than nine games in a row since That's joining. Crazy. We, go on. I've been arguing with um, my Gunas chat today because we was on about we got a friend of mine. He loves Arsenal like everyone, but he's the one who's like, "Oh, back it, back it." Always about doom and gloom, but it's like now we've got Europe. It's a completely your different friends with type. <laughs> no. I just Forest have just agreed a deal for Batshuayi. Fuck's sake! They really are signing anyone. That's number twenty-two. Yeah, carry on, Luke. Sorry, I just uh, just broke. <laughs> Jesus, um, I was trying to thought there. Oh no, yeah, with He's York now. Always and, uh, Yeah, and um, with the squad uh, being a bit threadbare, as we've been saying. Like he was asking, like, why, why do we want to be in this doom gloom? It's because like, I don't want the same mistakes again. I don't want to, um, like, because he seems to think, like, we're going for top four, but it's no, never a guarantee whatsoever because you've got top teams going for it as well. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted, like, I want us to um, iron out the excuse for not finishing top four. Like, if we don't make it, and then, like, for the reason being, 
say if we get injuries or we don't get enough impact from like players and like teams like sort of find us out then we've got we've got that same excuse again is oh we didn't make it because of this but if we cover our bases like I don't mind getting rid of Deadwood like say Pepe and things like this but then if it leaves us short I, I especially with Europe because I'd rather win Europa League like uh and get into top four obviously but I, wanna, I still want to uh, be in there for the FA Cup, yeah, League Cup. I don't want to be get like uh, dipped oh. out again by a Championship team in the FA Cup. I want to see us perform on all fronts. We're, as you say, we're Arsenal. I don't want to be just limping into the top four because it's becoming as funny as it is a trophy. We were told that we had to get rid of Pepe to get a winger, and then we got rid of Pepe. And it's, oh well, you know they yeah. do have a, enough options to cover. We spent 118 million and brought in 21 million this summer. And I mean, as you said, certain fans are just screaming about us, you know, spend wisely. There mm. has to be some middle ground. It's not that we either spend stupidly like, like we do with Raul and players like yeah. Pepe, or we can't be doing like we do now. Um, it's clearly just undervaluing players. And so we wind up leaving ourselves short. Yeah, that's when what the, I was thinking about Louise thing. I was like, oh, they but, just wrap it up and not like, but, I mean, I'm here. They want double for Louise now. Yeah, well, the news broke that we were interested in Neto, and then yeah, I've seen that. informally it was like, okay, they want 50 million, and apparently we're like, whoa, 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 we're not going to yeah. pay that much. How much did you think he was going to cost? Oh, no, me, anyone costs saying that's a standard player nowadays. It's it's just trying so hard to be like Liverpool, but Liverpool built their framework in a time where you could get Salah for 35 million. Yeah, I mean, 60 they million doesn't get you Anthony Gordon now. Yeah, they sort of kicked it off with Alisson Van Dijk and that. So fair enough, it's worked worked for them. But now they think, like, oh, let's gamble on every player. Every and they player were also for 60 million. like top money for top players. You're looking now yeah. like it's not even that. You you do have to overspend to some extent. That's just the way it is. Other teams are accepting it. And I mean, it's it's not a particularly complex analogy, but it's it's like if you're running a market stall and yeah. someone comes up to you, you're the one choosing to sell. I and, mean, when you've got um, Gail Platt, uh, the Everton player going for like 80 million <laughs> like uh, it's just what you did if you're going to a club that doesn't want to sell their player you ultimately have to present a deal where they think yeah. it's too good to turn down you're you're not going to get a deal for a club that a player wants to keep where you mm. both feel like this is a good deal because ultimately why would they sell it if they yeah. think you're getting a good deal out of it it's uh, I, I, I don't know but I think we've brought in too much of the praise that's been received in the past year. When you look at United and Chelsea, two of our challenges, mm. United have spent 215 million. Chelsea, we're going to talk about later. They're going to have spent over 300 million if all goes to plan by the end of this window. Jesus. And Tottenham have spent more than us as well. So we've lost players. Yes, you can say the level's been raised, but you do have yeah. to keep those players on the pitch. And we've seen already five games in. Do you reckon there's some um, like truthist FF? thing no uh the details of it they say essentially there's like 25 teams on there basically they yeah. see you spend more than normal they have a quick look at the books and say everything seems in order yeah Fair do enough. you reckon it's like a culture thing like you know after watching all uh all or nothing like arteta like likes a certain player and like you know he's literally trying to find that perfect player yeah, to integrate that with is the squad. fair but it's like at some point so i think we said in january fair enough you want to wait and get Gabriel Jesus, you couldn't give Lahovic. That doesn't mean there's no striker better than Lacazette on the market. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so Chelsea today, we're going to speak about them in a bit, as I said, they weren't able to get Ed Edson Alvarez in. And so they've put a loan deal with an option in for Dennis Zachariah, a Swiss international who can play in the same position. 
you have to have these alternatives and sometimes you do have to compromise and these big clubs they say it's not working we'll take the hit here we tried sometimes you do have to do that it can't all be sensible business but just before we move on Douglas Louise it does seem if we get a player through the door this afternoon this evening then it's going to be him I don't understand why he's taking it like this long, though. It's baffling. I mean, he ticks a lot of boxes for us. He's yeah. Brazilian. He yeah, he's got Gabriel in his name as well. He's, yeah, so his middle name's Gabriel. He's only 24. He can play as both a 6 and an 8. Been a under-21 Brazil captain, hasn't he? Yeah. The, the, there aren't, the negatives are that he's been an inconsistent under Gerard um, yeah. ever since being linked with us last season, to be fair. Some of their fans say that Gerard does play favourites and... They put McGinn in a situation that benefits him, but ultimately is to the uh, demise of Louise, which yeah. I can see how that could be the case. But Gerard not got long anyway. Yeah, no. Uh, now, if you look at the analytics, they do show he's someone that can struggle under pressure. His passing accuracy when pressured drops as significantly as someone like Fred. Yeah. Oh, boy. His, his accuracy outside of those moments is far superior. And... I'm sure you've seen these charts you see on Twitter, like the pizza charts and the stats bomb ones where it shows yeah. you like the levels you have. His progressive passing is like a 94 out of a hundred on mm. in terms compared but to other players the in the thing, league. Like you could come into a squad of a completely different player. Yeah. And the position of the six in our team currently, when we have our best team out, there's less pressure on it than there was previously. Like mm. party recorded like up there with his lowest passing averages ever against Leicester. And we battered them. And we created plenty. You're ultimately in there to be some level of a shield and to move the ball forwards. Yeah. You're not expected to be dominating the game from that position. And so I can no. I can see why it makes sense. We've had a 20 million bid rejected and a 23 million pound bid rejected. He's keen for the move. There's nine months left on his deal, and they're asking for 40 million. Oh dear! See, like with that twenty and twenty three, it makes me think. It's like, look, just just put a yeah, on it. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, we're going for Champions League here. Yeah? Like, we'll get a load of money coming back. Like, that's why I think ahead. It's like, look, if we, if we want to gamble on missing out like, on just these extra players, because like um, I was thinking, I was watching Lukonga last night. He had an okay game, but I just don't think he's got the tenacity like um, he's like he's, like the other players. He's relaxed, isn't he? He's yeah, a very yeah. relaxed guy. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. But like on on the eye for it, it just seems like he plays the pass like too slow. Like, and sometimes if you get the right player on him, they'll like see that early. And then yeah, just he's much, be passed. He's much better if playing in Jacker's position, for example. Yeah. Um, TK, you're an outsider here. Uh, uh, what gap of the twenty million to forty million is the point where Arsenal say, "Look, we walk away." Or do you think he's a forty million pound player? I do not think he's a forty million pound player. Um, if you're really looking for someone, I'd go to thirty. We've got think, two. We've got two fit midfielders currently. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think thirty million probably works all round. If they want him gone and he's out of contract next year, thirty million is good money for Villa, and it's not a ridiculous splurge on your part for a player who, when everyone's fit or when, say next year or year after, you get players that you probably want if you ever do yeah. sign a midfielder. He's not going to be playing. He's going to be a squad player pretty quickly. Um, so I think that would that would work all around. And as you guys have said, if that is the case, really no way it's a hard deal to make. Ultimately, you say, is he better than Elneny? Yeah, yeah, yeah and that's, exactly but, that. I mean, Party is made of glass. We know he's going to be out for the majority of the season. And is so there any update on Mo? Um, 
El Nenny Arteta basically referred to both of them last night and he said they're bad. We're not going to see them for a long time. And, about I mean, that. What about the injuries, etc. Cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I'm in this tricky position now where I feel bad even saying this. I was hoping the El Nenny injury was bad. <laughs> well, because... you tweeted to that effect to be honest, Luke, so I wouldn't be feeling bad now. <laughs> what I'm thinking was, if it's bad, and I did this in January, so once bitten and all that, in January, I said, when they let all these players go, well, they can't possibly not be planning to bring someone else <laughs> yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they got me again. I'm doing the, <laughs> the Walter White here. You got me. <laughs> because Chelsea very quickly said, right, we can't get that guy. Who's the next best guy we can get? We we seem to have let the guy score against us last night, by the way, and then gone, <laughs> it's not bad, actually. Let's do this. And the very strange thing is, in Gerard's press conference after the game, I don't know if he really just doesn't like the guy, but he said, I can't guarantee he's still going to be here tomorrow. It's up to him and his agents what he wants to do. He needs to let us know. And then a statement went out probably from within the club, but through The Athletic, where they said, regardless of Gerard's comments, Aston Villa have no intention to sell Douglas Luiz tomorrow. So this morning it was rumoured Arsenal and Liverpool interested. I mean, it's not going to make me feel much better now. The transfer rumour is that he's rejected Liverpool, whether that's true or not, I'll cling to it. Um, <laughs> and so we've said, right, we're going to go in. Edu's like, you're Brazilian, this should be a piece of cake. And we've put an offer on the table. We were saying we'd go up to 25 million. And they've again said, not happening. And they're not negotiating. They just keep rejecting it. He's agreed to deal with us. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know if it will happen by the time we finish recording this episode. But it's frightening. I guess there's not much point wasting more time on it now as to whether he's going to come or not. If if you had to put some money down now, um, TK, would you be saying? with that shirt. Yeah, do you think that we'll get it done? Usually it feels like if if the player wants it, then they'll get out. But the stories you hear about Villa negotiating, I'm not so sure. I mean, they're getting paid back for how much did they try and bid for Smith Rowe before? <laughs> 20 mil. They got Callum Chambers for free. He had six months left and we said, don't worry about it. Was it? I she did. We got a fee for him. <laughs> no, we didn't get a fee. Oh, oh, Steve, we don't get fees for anyone now. No, no one sweetens oh. the deal like Arsenal. So, no, don't oh, worry no. about a fee. You have it. Um, so I, I don't think we get anyone, but I'll clarify that. If we don't get, if we, even if we get Douglas Deweese, it's still not good enough. A winger, mm. just pray for Saka's health at this point, because if you play another one of the wingers that isn't Nelson or Marquinhos behind him, it's a square peg in a round hole. You're going to burn out one of your first team players. The whole thing is just nonsense. Should have hijacked the Aubameyang deal, bring him back. <laughs> something to look out for. Um, Douglas Louise has not missed one game with injury since joining Villa. Wow. You know that first training session goes, Luke. There, we, on, there we go. You know what happens. The last question I have here. Ramsdale spoke about there being a different mentality this year and eight minutes is the longest it's taken us to respond after conceding a goal. What do you think has prompted that and do you believe it to be the truth at this point? Do you want me to go on that? Go on. Either you or TK, jump in. Yeah. Um, it, it's been surprising because before I've seen our heads drop. But with like the added wins, and with, like you said, Zinchenko and Jesus, 
it's just that when it's, it's cliche to oh yeah it brings that winning mentality but it does like, if you if you spread that around the squad and like with that all and everything you actually see how everyone gets together it can just spread like wildfire and like there was the Palace game where Arteta said at half time Lacquer, you have to believe you're going to score two goals yeah. in the second half. And he did not look like he believed he was going to score two. <laughs> be right for him to score two in like half a season. These these boys look like if you tell them we're one yeah. 0 down, you better go score two. Yeah, they, they do look, look like they believe Jesus that to be the case. Really, like, you'll get like you got the anger in him. The right like uh, certain amount of anger you need not to like, go and snap someone, but to literally go back and just stick yeah. one in the net and just be like, here, you get, there you go. Yeah, I thought Similar. Emmy Martinez made himself yeah. come up oh, like a right print yesterday. That. I absolutely love like that. Yeah, it's gutted that we that we let him go. The the move he forced through mm. um, that headlock, mind he uh, <laughs> got away with that. <laughs> uh, mental. mental. Although we got Paul Tierney this weekend, so brilliant. Good, uh, don't Google who's, him, and you'll see he's the, from. Uh, you, you may yeah, see that he's from Manchester. Who's in uh, VR as well? I think he's from Manchester or somewhere as well. I mean, last time we were unbeaten going to Old Trafford, it, it didn't end very well. I saw Rio Ferdinand <laughs> doing a whole thing on his show, looking back at the game. Um, I won't yeah. be watching that. Stupid yeah, prick. It'll make, it'll make you win all that more sweeter. Let's hope so. Let's hope we've got a new midfielder in there. But Luke, thank you for jumping on with us no today. Worries, we've got Spurs fans to speak to, unfortunately. So uh, <laughs> I'll bid Good you luck. farewell. All right, so. A bit. On to Tottenham Hotspur then. I complained that United fans have been hard to track down. I complained that Everton fans have been hard to track down. Unfortunately, Spurs fans haven't been too hard to track down or I've not been too hard to track down for Spurs fans. We've got Alex here. We've got Sean here. Um, Sean will overlook you nearly ruining the entire podcast with your rescheduling. But thankfully, Alex was kind enough to uh, change his plans to accommodate you. Would it have been the same if it was the other way around? Oh, well, I think you know the answer that. to that. Diva. Diva, Do you baby. want the answers to that question? <laughs> All right. As we've done previously, the incomings, Richarlison, and again, these are the transfer marked fees, so they don't include add-ons. Richarlison, 52.2 million from Everton. Christian Romero, 45.5 million from Atalanta. Bissouma for 26.28 million from Brighton. Destiny Udogi for 16.2 million from Udinese. Jed Spence, 13.23 million from Borough. Ivan Perisic for free from Inter. Fraser Forster for free from Southampton. And Clermont Longley on loan from Barcelona. A few outgoings. Bergwijn, 28.13 million to Ajax. Cameron Carter Vickers, 6.2 million to Celtic. A £450,000 loan fee to, for Undombele. And Jack Clark went on an undisclosed fee to Sunderland. Harry Winks also loaned today to Sampdoria. So I can hear the celebrations from here. <laughs> First question. Um, should we be looking at a lethal injection, a hanging or something slower to punish Richarlison for his antics on Sunday afternoon? <laughs> I was thinking a Nobel Prize, but <laughs> there has been nothing in between on social media, to be fair. It has been one or the other. What, even a, few, a few a few weeks ago, we we were talking about why we'd signed him and what were the reasons <laughs> behind it. And yeah. I said to him, the first time he does something like that to wind up a fan base in a match, I will say we didn't pay enough money for him. I can confirm <laughs> that we, do, we did not pay enough money for him. 
I tried to be as unbiased as possible and did point out that everyone complaining was loving it when he did it to United last season. So <laughs> hard to complain too much. Um, Steve Cooper obviously didn't feel the same way. Uh, Sean, the last deal that Spurs completed was for uh, Destiny Udogi on the 16th of August. Were you expecting more after that? No, probably not. Uh, I kind of expected I expected that would. I mean, that obviously came out of nowhere to some extent, but I didn't expect us to get anyone else in, really. Anyone else would have been a bonus. But as these things normally are, like, I do find myself as a, as a fan who's probably fairly balanced. I hate both sides of the argument. Like, I hate I hate the people who care, like, we're not being ambitious enough, need to buy more, classic Levy, Enoch out. Um, but then I also hate the people who are too overly ambitious, like, we're going to win the league, all these signings are amazing. Um, so I'm just kind of happy when the window will be over, to be honest. Would you say so you what, both sides of that coin on here? Don't listen to uh, the last segment we just did on Arsenal. <laughs> 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 That'd be a tough one for you. Well, only for only for Spurs, really. Other ever, ever teams are right. I would have had no idea Arsenal were top of the league if I just went on that last segment we just did. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I had zero idea. I, I don't want to hijack you. I did try getting Troy on because I did text him earlier saying, I feel quite bad that... I'm fuming as I am, and we are five for five, but yeah. <laughs> we won't talk about Arsenal here. Alex, um, a big thing coming into this window was whether Conte would be backed, or more importantly, whether he'd feel like he's been backed. Do you think he has been? Um, yeah, I'd say he has. And I'd say the fact that he hasn't come out and whined at all or moaned like he did last season in the January transfer window would indicate that he probably thinks that as well. He has said that, obviously, he has made the statement that he would need another three transfer windows to challenge for like the top uh, against the like teams like City and Liverpool. But I think that was, you know, Hang on a a comment. Minute. vintage Conte. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. It, it, it's just, yeah, I know. It, I, think that, the time. I was waiting I think, for him to mention the other teams at the top. It, I think if he'd, uh, I think if he'd mention, uh, if he, he'd probably, if he'd had another fifty million spent, he'd still be making that same sort of yeah, statement. It's yeah, kind yeah. of like an, it's an insurance statement. Mm. I think you should expect a contract extension if he's saying two to three more windows. You should be sorted. Yeah, hopefully, but uh, you know, you know what this business is like. <laughs> yeah, he did say after the Chelsea game he doesn't criticise referees, and then. Last night, he wants to banish VAR. So I don't really know where we are at this stage. That's not a referee. VAR's not a referee. Yeah. It's referees yeah. that run the VAR system. Um, Sean, I thought it was interesting. Um, Richarlison has started to pick up the minutes, but so far he's been unable to force his way into the starting lineup. Now, Arteta recently described Eddie as a finisher in the squads, and I believe he's called him a closer before, which feels like a very American term. Do you think that's how Conte sees Richarlison or is there any chance that he displaces Son or Kuliszewski anytime soon? Um, yeah, I guess we, we talked about this a little bit, didn't we, with like five subs in general about this kind of thing happening. I I don't know if that necessarily applies to Richarlison yet. I think it just could be a case because if you look at obviously all the new signings, like, I mean, Perisic is the only one who's really came in and started. Basuma only started because of an injury, so... I think he's just, yeah, wanting to play the established players from last year for his first few games till we get into more of the double free game, sorry, game every three days and then I'll start to bring people in. So I don't think he views them as a finisher. I just think at the moment he's the first kind of sub option. 
Um, and then your second part of the question, I mean, CERN is still playing pretty badly. I think last night, he part of why he probably took Kulisevsky off was he was going to try and give CERN a bit more confidence playing to form, but yeah. it's still not happening at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens with Fulham on the weekend. My inclination is that CERN will again start and then Richarlison probably starts the Marseille game. So, yeah, we'll see. You'll You'll have a better idea than me here because you'll have watched the games a lot closer now the perspective from outside fans yourself included has been with regarding Saka that he's completely off form and Arsenal fans would tell you he's got three assists in his last five games is it the case that Son is just playing below expectations or is he genuinely playing poorly um I think Below, below it. Well, there, there's a mixture of the two. I think in every, in some of the games, has been really poor. In others, it's just been a bit below expectation. Like I think yesterday, the first half he was all right for a bit of it. He's making the right runs. He could have easily potentially have got that goal and maybe look at it differently. West Ham was obviously known goal in the end. His defenders not there. Sun's tapping it in and maybe look different. But it's definitely been poor. I don't think he's not. It's not like he's played well and not got the goal. Um, I mean, Southampton, he got one assist at the start. Um, so, yeah, he he, ha- he has been poor. Um, but it's not like outrageously bad. It's just not at the level, obviously, that he was last season. Uh, Alex, if we pretend that Sean hasn't wiped out my next two questions. Um, with Bentoncourt <laughs> out with injury, Basuma did step in last night. Are you mm-hmm. expecting him to stay in the lineup now moving forward or is Conte content to keep him as a rotation option? I would like to think that he's going to make it into the starting lineup. Um, Who's he replacing? Um, Hoiberg? I think Hoiberg. He's had a good um, start to the season, hasn't he? he it's been all right, but it's like it's what his limitations are as a player and what he can bring the team. I mean, we... I'd like to think that Basuma gives you something a little bit more creativity and gives you a little bit more direct strength through the middle of the park going forward, which is something I think we lack at the moment. Um, Hoiberg, as good as he is at what he does, there are limits there on how much of a useful thing having just like a Rottweiler who can just break up the play in the middle of the park and uh, try and win you the ball back can have to a team. Um, I, At the moment, I think... Obviously, his hand has been forced with Benton Kerr. I, I, I didn't see it get. I didn't see it get confirmed as an injury. He just said he's having problem. He's got a small problem or something like that. So I'm not sure what that was. Whether it was confirmed as an injury or whether it's something off the pitch, I'm oh, not man. too sure. Um, but he didn't give any context to what the issue was. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see him partner along Benton, Benton Kerr moving forward just to see what that looks like for us to give us another sort of dynamic with moving through the middle of the park because that seems to be, you look back against uh, like the Chelsea game, for example, we were played off the pitch and I would have liked to have seen Basuma come on a lot sooner than he did. Ultimately, he didn't really change it up that much for us in that game and nor did he look to be offering that much yet. Um against West Ham it's just maybe the system's not really set up for him just yet uh, but yeah for what we saw him sort of deploy at Brighton I would like to see him in our starting lineup and Sean Perisic has started the last three games do you get the sense that he's the man in that left wing back slot now and what did Sessegnon do wrong if anything 
Yeah, I think he's definitely the man. Uh, and again, I don't think Seth and I don't think Session did anything wrong. Uh, I just think Perisic is a he's just a a, a better player um, attacking wise, especially. He should be on corners instead of Sen, ideally as well. Um, so I think that's why. I don't think Session did anything wrong. And yeah, I think he's going to be the person who starts, and he's kind of essential in some aspects because of at the moment with especially with Romero out. With, when you saw it in the West Ham game, with Loris isn't best at distribution, Sanchez can't pass out, nor can Royale. So West Ham were just kind of letting them have the ball at one point, and then they were pressuring them and nearly conceded twice from it. So um, he's essential, really, because we need someone who has that attack effect on the left because there's nothing on the right at the moment. Um, so, well, yeah, I think it's his. Just stick with you. Um, a big expectation going into this window was that Spurs were going to strengthen in that left centre-back slot. Vardiol proved too expensive. Bastoni didn't want to leave. Was Longley the best option or just a cheap alternative to fill a gap in the squad for another year? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a cheap alternative to fill the gap and realise that obviously they weren't going to get Vardiol. Bastoni staying where he is. Doesn't look like Pau Torres ever, ever moved forward any further either. So it's kind of the option that they have. Um, I mean, that, I think that does need... At some point, I could see him potentially coming in. The difficult thing is there's, there's not many um, examples, is there, of a player who was, you know, at their peak and has dramatically fell off and then they get back. Um, no. Does it happen? So, Spoken about Deli Alley tonight. Yeah, it's, actually, it's, opti- it's pretty optimistic to think that Langley's going to be a hit. I mean, he might be, but who knows? But he's obviously good with his ball at the feet, so... That's what we need for Conte's system. If he's not going to change the system, which he probably isn't, then you know our, our right wing back, as good defensively as I think Royale is, he's, he's got nothing going forward. So we're going to need either improve the centre back distribution, which Lengley and Romero can do, or on the right, so you add other people in. So um, you, yeah, you can even look at both of our teams, like in the last year alone, and. You picked up Bentoncourt and Kulishevsky. We picked up uh, Jesus and Zinchenko. More so the, the players at Juventus just because uh, of the minutes they had. But Bentoncourt, I don't think you or Alex were on our deadline day pod in January celebrating the move like over the moon. And I don't think I was looking at the Bentoncourt move in particular. I think I was quite critical of it, the Kulishevsky one. I thought remains to be seen and obviously he's proven to be a hit. The long lay one, maybe it is that he just needs the faith to be put in it, put in him. And if he stinks at Spurs, then I think that's when you write them off. We at least gave Delhi the chance. Everton, I guess, is, is a rough place to go and try and find your form, but we probably do need to give him this second place to try and get it back on track before we just uh, write him off completely. A player like him should benefit from three at the back as well. If he is going to make something of himself, you'd think, as Sean said, he can get the ball at his feet and he can do some of the stuff he wants to do a little bit more. Um, maybe some of his other frailties could be covered up a little bit better at Spurs, potentially. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the defenders that Barter have bought in the last couple of years and far better looking defenders have struggled. So maybe we portion some of the blame to them and we'll, we'll see what happens with Longley. Seems to be a thing with their defenders as well that they're quite sort of flashing the plan. They have a brief burst and then they're in trouble. 
but for, sometimes for different reasons like the two is just isn't easy gone so but same sort of thing but for five minutes they're quite good and then it's it's done and then jed spence is really the outlier in this business so far that unless one of you can correct me i don't think we've seen him yet he played he played for like five minutes against forest but yeah pretty much so uh, are we expecting to see him anytime soon as time goes on and we're only five games into the season, it does seem to be more and more telling that Conte did make the point that, look, this isn't my signing. Hmm. I mean, it's it's interesting. Obviously, Alex can make a point as well, but I, I, it's kind of interesting a bit, I guess, that he did play only five minutes. Maybe you could say it was Nottingham Forest, that's why he's come in, but instead of Doherty, who hasn't obviously played at all yet. Good chat. Um, I think Conte's just, he's being a bit cautious at the moment. And I said, we, obviously, we haven't lost a game. We lost all of the games. The, all of the games we played this season that we played last year, we lost all of them. So there's a there's a benefit there. But um, we're going to get found out uh, at some point if we continue to play like this because that right is so bad. So whether it's Spence, whether it's Sturity or, or um, well, those are the only options. Um they need to come in, but yeah, it's difficult. He did obviously he made that comment, which was strange. So I think it's going to be a while till he trusts him. He's probably going to play like the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup games and then build it from there. I did see a classic uh, WhatsApp screenshot hit Twitter of someone behind the scenes telling us, you know, there's been a big bust up with Conte and Jed Spence. These attitudes and these personalities, they, <laughs> they, just, don't, they just don't get on. I'm assuming no uh, reputable Spurs journalist has come out to confirm any of that. No, no. Um, Alex, uh, Winks and Dombele and Bergwijn all left from the first team this summer. Is there anyone else that you're surprised hasn't been moved on? Because I think the expectation from us on the outside was that either Doherty or Royale were certain to be off to pastures new. Um, there is maybe one or two faces are you have aren't you missing a few there? Aren't, aren't you missing a few? Because I thought I'm just pointing lost... out Lacelso, etc. Yeah, yeah, Lacelso. Yeah, I'm just pointing out a couple that. Have, have, oh right, okay, yeah. Um, no, I I think as much as you'd like to look at that squad and go, yeah, I don't want you. Yeah, I don't want you. I will keep you. It's you got to remember sometimes that you do got to keep a degree of depth there. Um, just for you know the you know the wider cup games like we were talking about a few minutes ago the the early stage of the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup so as much as much as you would like to treat it a garden of finely cut grass you know it's you don't have that these are players and you've got to, you do that. get That's <laughs> <lovely>. <laughs> you, you do get thrown hail marys now and again um, you and you know you get into a bit of a drought and uh, and that grass is going to dry up in certain areas. So uh, <laughs> Conte does like a big squad too, doesn't he? He, he does. Like the opposite does. of Arteta. Yeah, which is funny. Like, which is funny because it's he's not he's barely played any of the new signings he's bought. He's played the same. It's, of, it's like he's that, really that, trying to make a point to the new signings because he's really like quite religiously. Like at times it's been quite obvious. Like surely you bring Basuma on here, and even when he does, he'll bring him on really late, or he just doesn't bring him on at all. It's, it's really like he's trying to make a point to him. It's been the case yeah. with a couple of teams, though. West Ham didn't start a lot of their new signings. We were one of the few 
that did, and the two but, of them had almost a full pre-season. Often, at least with some of the, some of the West Ham ones, they're coming from abroad as well. But Basuma, he knows the league, doesn't he? It's not like you go in right in these times to adapt. You can put him straight in effectively. It's a tricky one. Like I I didn't find myself overly being surprised at that the, first, the starting lineup for the first few games of the season was literally what we finished with at the end of last year. You've got ultimately a a team of guys who you know you can perform. That's probably what you want coming out of the gate in a Premier League season if you're happy with their fitness levels. Uh, um, it is getting to the point now where we do need to change it up and that money that we spent, we need to try and incorporate them. It's just how much of a long game he's trying to play here um, with them all. You know, whether he is trying to phase them in slowly over the course of the season. Um, like he did make comments about, you know, per- Perisic not being up to fitness quite so early on. And yet he's made it, he's now a reliable star. Um, I think he does have the benefit, though, of, you know, he is a proven commodity that is probably quite a level, composed, calm head in the team that you want on the pitch. In, in games like the Chelsea game, for example, you know, that that's the sort of player you want on the pitch to try and keep you composed. Um, he's been there and seen it. So if, if I could it, just jump in, because we yeah. got we got like two two questions left and we're uh, running short for time. But I'll ask you, Alex. So the signing of Perisic suggested to many that Spurs were in kind of win now mode. There was no fluffing around here, getting a prospect or anything like that. Does it feel like that as a fan? I mean, do you expect to win anything this season when you've with the additions that you've brought in? Um, I think that's a you stretch. On the spot there. I think I think that is a bit of a stretch. Like to say, so for me, winning winning something this season for for win, winning something to me is winning. Like, the, if we're going to win something this year, trophy wise, I think it'll be the FA Cup. Um, Nothing wrong with or, that. There isn't. There isn't at all. Um, and I'd like to think we'd have a decent run in the Champions League and secure uh, top four in the Premier League again. Um, preferably that third spot, particularly if a certain other club is going to finish in the top four as well. Um, but you do look at the situation in, in the league so far this season. You, <laughs> you do look at the league in this situation so far, and I will openly admit to Sean, like, what's the point in aiming low? I mean, you know, you've got a decent squad. You've got a lot of these players now. It They have been around long enough that, you know, they are some of the best in the league. Like I'm talking about, you know, Kane and Son, for example, that combination at the front. You know, how much, if it's not now, when is it going to be with these players? Mm. They're certainly not going to be in the mindset of, all right, we've got to think about the long game here. Certainly not anymore. So you might as well go all in. Um, and you've got Conte, and he's not a guy who's playing the long game waiting around either, as much as he has said. You know, made the comment, oh, I need like three more transfer windows to challenge with City and Liverpool at the top. You know, it's how much of that is actually a bit of truth to him. Does he strike me as a guy who's full of patience? I don't think so. You know, we openly said when he took the job, he's not a he's not a project guy. He's an instant result guy. So I think the level of backing that he's got, you you aim for the highest you can. And in that, that case, you, you, you aim for the title. That's ultimately what you're going to do. There's no harm in aiming up there and falling short. Um, you, you just, I think it's more damaging to not aim that high at this, particularly with Spurs at the moment, what we're mocked for, there is no, there is no way we shouldn't be aiming for high at the table. And you look at the start that Arsenal have had, um, and it's like everybody's sort of saying, all right, well, they haven't paid such and such yet and they haven't paid such and such yet. But 
you know, we've seen far stranger things happen in the Premier League in the last hey. 10 years. So last last question, Sean. Um, also, that Vinicius that was at Spurs has signed for Fulham today. I don't know if either of you have seen that. Yeah, um, so I, yeah. I, saw I want him doing that celebration at uh, the Spurs ground. <laughs> yeah, I but, saw Spurs fans say that <coughs> Fulham have signed Vinicius and they've also signed William. And it's like they've just signed three players who are going to score against Spurs, winning the game, and then like, <laughs> I think the rest of, the, rest of that. <laughs> Last question, because i got to get uh, West Ham on in one minute. Kane yep. was the main story for you last summer. Do you feel like you've got past his Gerard to Chelsea moment now and you've got him for good? Yeah, definitely. I, 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 I think so. There's still a worry he leaves. Mine is sniffing. Yeah, there's a worry he leaves. I don't think we sell him. I think it'll be he leaves on a free at the end of his contract. Um, but uh, yeah. Ultimately, well, I think we show him the bag. We give him a four-year contract um, at 31 or 32 or whatever, and he, and he stays. I'm going to have to cut oh, you off I'll there, Alex. I've got... Oh, sorry. Yeah, go on. That's all right. right. No way. All right. Well, we'll continue these conversations, I'm sure, on Monday. So thanks to you both for coming on and uh, we'll move on. Adios. Adios. Cheers, gents. It's been a busy window and it's been a busy window in particular at West Ham. We've got Steve back with us. We've got Connor back with us, hopefully in a better mood to what we're usually greeted with. Uh, Incomings at West Ham. We've got Lucas Paqueta, just under 40 million from Leon. Skamaka, 32.4 million from Sassuolo. Nea Fagued, 31.5 from Stab Rene. Maxwell Corne, 18.63 million from Burnley. Emerson Palmieri for 13.86 million from Chelsea. Tilo Kera from 10.8 million from PSG. Flynn Downs for 9.59 million from Swansea. And Alphonse Ariola for 8.37 million from PSG couple of guys who've been sold. It's a Diops. They somehow got 16.02 million for him to Fulham. Andre Yarmolenko was released, which feels a bit out of order to me. Ryan <laughs> Fredericks has gone on a free to Bournemouth. Vlasic loaned to Torino. Arthur Masuaku signed off with that goal against Chelsea and has gone to Besiktas. Mark Noble has retired. And if we could have a minute's silence for Alex Kral, as his loan <laughs> did end, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, Steve, I'll go to you first. Um, the question everyone is asking, um, who the hell is Flynn Downs? And has he been signed <laughs> just because he's a West Ham fan? Pretty much so. Uh, he, he had a good spell at Swansea. I spoke to one of my mates who's a Swansea fan. He said he's uh, quite a fiery player, which is quite good. Uh, is what we need, I think, in midfield. Um, just a bit of depth. Um, I don't think he'd be good enough to, to play each week, but like cup competitions and and stuff. I think he'd be all right. He'll do the job, I think. You invested in a new mic. This is like silk in my ears. Oh, mate, it's my streaming mic. <laughs> <laughs> Connor, um, on a scale of Carl Jenkinson to Mark Noble, what are we saying here? <laughs> Jenkinson being a fan that's pretty awful and Noble being a fan <laughs> that's quite good. So where are we putting Flynn Downs in this mix? Well, the one thing I'm worried about happening is because it doesn't look like Moyes is that impressed with him either <laughs> that's the, a good start <laughs> I know I'm, I'm just worried we're going to have paid this money for a for a crowd remake but we haven't got anywhere to send him back to <laughs> I think he's going to get out of order sending him back to be honest <laughs> hopefully hopefully he gets some more time you know you, you touched on the fact that yeah he's a West Ham fan hopefully it's not just 
<laughs> helping someone out of the club. But oh, uh, Carl Jenkinson always brings a smile to my face mentioning him. I watched him at uh, he, he was at Upton Park the time I went with you, Steve. Actually, uh, not Upton, but he played at Anfield. Yeah, Liverpool away, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Pirates legend, Pirate free kick. Yeah. I'll mention him in a minute. So, we, we we've had <laughs> we've had you both on the pod for a number of years now, and a common theme during that time has been a negative feeling towards the ownership and whether they have the club's best interests at heart. Um, Steve did then take a picture with one of those owners, um, the one that looks like Mr. Waternoose, but yeah, we can talk about that another time. <laughs> there's a story to that. I asked for um, David Gold. They brought out the wrong David. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't say nah not the other one I had to, I had to go with it unfortunately I um, thought for sure Steve was saying that Sullivan asked him for a pitch but then he's, <laughs> he's the only way out of this you've got to understand he asked me well, I mean, before we even talk about the signings are you happy with the amount of investment that you've had during this window I think we've got to be you know yeah. I'm certainly not used to West Ham shelling out much money at all but I I think it probably stems from that cash injection we had in November when that when the uh, the, the Czech billionaire bought what was it, 20, 22% or something? Uh, it's higher than that, isn't it? Was it? Uh, 27. Okay. The yeah. second highest at West right. Ham now. I mean, I, I did completely panic when it came to January and we just did nothing. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's kind of a window and a half, really. Uh, yeah. Well, in, in Skamaka and Paqueta... You've got two players that were linked with other clubs, probably with no offence intended, a bit above your pay grade, it did seem. Oh, absolutely. Um, Skamaka was linked with PSG, especially Inter Milan and Arsenal. Paqueta was linked with Arsenal, Juventus and a big payday at Newcastle. So I'm assuming if I told you at the start of the summer you were going to be signing those two, you wouldn't have believed it for a second. Well, I thought just... we were going to re-sign Andy Carroll or something, if I'm <laughs> honest with you. Someone like that. Someone who's injury prone. It was like I said to Luke, I said to you, Luke, a few months ago, didn't I? I was like, I'm half expecting us to just get to the end of the transfer window and sign Grant Holt. <laughs> and, and then completely <laughs> forgot the fact that Grant Holt is actually part of our recruitment staff now. <laughs> because this doesn't right. seem this doesn't seem like a, what we'd say is like a Man United purchase where there's no real thought in it. It's essentially just they've gone on the transfer list on FIFA and just looked at mm-hmm. the most expensive guy there and so picked him because he must be the best. Like... We've, we've hardly seen Paqueta, everything we've seen of him kind of previously looks good. But Skamaka, I don't know what your initial thoughts on him are, because on paper, he looks like the most perfect stylistic matchup. Like if I had to keep a big striker away from one team, it would probably have been West Ham. Yeah, we've got a, got a bit of a bit of a love for a big brute up front, haven't we? But the fact that he's, he's got more than just, you know, hype to him. Is promising. I'm I'm excited to see him go up against Martinez if that happens. Um, <laughs> you know that when we had that spell of Andy Carroll being the most prolific striker at the club, you know Big Sam turned us into a little bit of Route One football. But I hey, wouldn't mind seeing that again. If it needs be, then yeah, you, you've got to do anything for a win, haven't you? I guess so. Exactly. But then he did. Andy Carroll just got a hat trick against Arsenal. So. Very true. Uh, he's he's not the first, and he won't be the last. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's the thing is as well. Mancini rates him really highly as well, um, which is good. Only twenty three, and he's got a five year deal. So that is a big statement from us. The same yeah, with Quetta, it's a five year deal. That's it. It's it, it's getting those 
yes, getting the big players in, but tying them down for a, for a long time as well. Like, OK, it's not quite the eight years we're trying to offer deck, but five <laughs> So looking at, those, looking at all the sign-ins, and I'd say 80% of them are all on about four to five-year deals. So we are building for the future, and they're all quite young players coming in. Um, so it looks like we finally got a core. We actually have a structure coming in. Yeah. With with this Gamaka one, as you say, he's a big guy, but he's far more technical than that. And I mean, I, I watched enough compilations just when we were linked with him. We were linked with him <laughs> I don't know what the plan was, by the way. Him and Jesus couldn't be further apart. But in terms of his hold-up play, he's faster than you'd expect him to yeah. be. And it, and it looks like Moyes has a very clear style of play that he likes playing with Antonio. And I don't like mentioning him, mentioning him to Connor. But it looks like you've essentially it's like on a video game you've just kind of upgraded his stats and just got the upgraded version and he looks like he could be that i just don't know when we're going to start seeing him more regularly well he did start didn't he against um against villa i was um, you've been quite negative so i kind of assumed the worst <laughs> no he, he was since then he was he was sick so he's not trained all week which is why i didn't start yesterday um, which is probably a good thing because that assist from Antonio last night, I don't think I've ever seen him do anything more technical <laughs> football. Well, every bit of positive news I've given you, you've gone, oh, wow, Moyes won't play him anyway. <laughs> so, that, that, that is that my pass? fear, do you know what? <laughs> that, that, that is my fear that we potentially may have another Haller. I don't uh, think Finn Downs even exists. <laughs> <laughs> He's just a mascot. I, I love the League Cup for those things when you can just see these guys that you just never get to see any other time. Or the Europa League. If you've got a Conference League, I may even enjoy the Conference League more than the Europa League if uh, I get to see <laughs> Arsenal there at some stage. Not that I'm begging for that. <laughs> but with Paqueta, this one seemed to come out of nowhere. Like, I don't remember seeing any links at all. I, I used to have my brother in my ear constantly. I hope Newcastle get him. I hope Newcastle get him. I, was, I don't think they're going to. And then it was just, bam, Newcastle on the table 60 million here you go and we're always very critical um, when we speak about the transfers TK and we say why don't they just get two people in a room and they just hash this out and it should be so much easier than this back and forth that we see from the outside and it seems that Newcastle must have locked these uh, delegates in a room and just hashed this out until they had a deal it was sorted so quickly what was it like 24 48 hours just non-stop back and forth and eventually you do get it over the line even if Orlis tried his uh, tactics at the end to try and reel in some other bidders. Yeah. You said Newcastle. Uh, it's all right. It's West Ham. It's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> oh, your mind. Link with, link with Newcastle. Oh, that's what I meant. They were yeah. linked with Newcastle. So. Very efficient, wasn't it? I don't think it's the sort of uh, thing you link West Ham with normally, getting this done, keeping it under wraps and getting it done quite so ruthlessly. Yeah, brilliantly done. I think it, I think he'll be fantastic for them. I think he'll be probably the next guy that breaks your hearts, lads, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. He'll probably be that good. <laughs> what's the most surprising thing is that how quick it was done we're known yeah. for dragging yeah. out a deal but apparently this would normally we, be a saga and you end up losing out on the 11th hour to someone else to yeah probably. the chairman would be writing emails to the other chairman <laughs> slagging them off and, <laughs> but this one seemed quite good because apparently we've he's one of the players that we were looking at all summer but they didn't think they would get him oh. so that's quite interesting well, these these two players in particular look like level raisers in the same way that Pyatt was when he signed. And I don't want to get too carried away. Should we expect you to be more attacking this season, perhaps easier on the eye than you would normally associate with a David Moyes side? 
Yeah, I mean, I I think when you look towards the end of us last year, we we were becoming that team, and you know we were hitting people on the counter constantly, and we looked a real threat. But then when you're having Antonio playing, you know, all all those games in a season, he needs a break or he needs someone to share the workload with. So I think it just gives us more depth up front. Although I don't think we've quite got, you know, you listed off all the players that we have signed so far. We have let a fair few go as well. So it's 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 yes improved our depth at the top, but overall I think we're still still struggling on that point just because of the players that we have let go. But yeah, I think the attacking threats now there are a lot more options that we've got. I think our depth is better. I, I, I'm the opposite. I think it's better. The people that we let go, Yamalenka, for example, was on 115k, so that freed up a lot of wage. <laughs> Fredericks yes. is always injured. Vlasic didn't really do much, unfortunately. Masuaku isn't the greatest. So and, hit and miss, wasn't he? Yeah, so and then Diop, the fact we've got 16 mil for him that, is yeah, unbelievable. Obscene. Fifty mil they wanted him at yeah, one point. I'm pretty that was sure. on the Jose, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Jose so, complains he wasn't back, so there's probably a reason for that. <laughs> He's just his positioning was just terrible. It's just one of those that just went missing, I guess. Well Connor, um are these the, also the kind of signings that go a long way to showing Declan Rice that you mean business, or it does that not bear thinking about? Well, after after he got complimented on reaching 200 West Ham appearances, he did say on to the next milestone. So in my head, never leave him. Never, ever leave him. <laughs> um, I saw Nasri kiss the badge and then yeah. he signed for Man City that week. <laughs> we, we, we saw Payet sign a new contract and leave <laughs> two weeks later. Honestly, breaks my heart. Breaks my heart. He, he took a 500k loyalty bonus and fucked off. <laughs> what disaster. <laughs> Um, there's clearly been a focus placed on improving defensively too when you look at uh, Aguerd, Palmieri, Kera and Cornet potentially if he's going to play left back they've all been purchased to I guess, limit the amount you concede are you happy with those signings in particular or will you expect any different areas to be addressed? I, I reckon he got it nailed on nailed on there really I mean right back is, is an area that I think we need strengthening yes I think Ben Johnson's the better of the two that we've got, uh, him and Sue Fowl. I think Sue Fowl's not quite what he was when he first joined us. Agreed. Um, you yeah. don't want to see Johnson centre-back anymore, then? Absolutely not. But he, <laughs> he, he stood up to it, though. He, did he didn't do to too there. bad, did he, to be honest with him? Yeah. Considering he, it's not his position and he's young, you know, yeah. you've got to admire the fact that he actually stood up to it and, and put himself in that position. But I would I'd rather him centre-back than Creswell. That's yes. all I'm saying, so... Yeah, but Creswell's then got to be on the pitch for the for the set piece delivery a lot of the time, isn't he? Oh, I'd rather him on the bench if I'm honest with you. Him defensive, <laughs> him defensively kills me. I, yeah. I, it's, it's, how lucky you got yesterday with it coming off his face first. <laughs> Only you could have snuck in one of them against Spurs. Fuming. I know. I, I missed it first. When you look at it, like when we saw it first off, it was it, it looks no more, and that's why I tweeted it. But then you see the replay, and it actually bounces off his face. It's the fact that the commentators watched it about 20 times, then realised it's come off his face. Well, the more frustrating thing, when it took four and a half minutes for that VAR decision, and then Hoiberg staying on the ground for about three minutes, and a goal, and they still only gave four minutes out of time. 
I personally hey. can't stand when they don't have enough time. <laughs> off. It's uh, disgusting. Yeah. We were picking up momentum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what does Fabian? What what does Fabianski have over Ariola to be starting every week? David Moyes. <laughs> because um, when when we let him yeah. go it was look he's a good enough keeper but he's probably not gonna have that many more years playing at the top even at the point when he just had a good cup run for us and then he went to what swansea first and somehow he's just got like the fountain of youth because he keeps going and i've got to think when you signed Ariola, you must have had some kind of conversation with him you're not. You're very rarely going to guarantee a player first team football, but it's got to have been intimated for him to go there because surely you'd have had other options as well. Yeah. So the good thing is Fabianski's last year. This is. Um, so he's got one year left on his deal. Ariola signed a five-year deal. So after this season, he'll be number one. I, th- I think he just had Moises has loyal players that like he likes. For example, him, Creswell, Ogbonna. They'll they'll always be in the team because they're his favourites. Mm. Um, once uh, Fabianski goes and Ogbonna I think it will all change so after the season uh, Ariel will be number one very very interesting but if I would rather start Ariel at the moment though. yeah I, th- I think mm. the majority of this would, that, would, would rather that the amount of times see Fabio, Fabianski go down and he's holding that hip that's been causing him grief for the last three years <laughs> <laughs> I just worry every time. But then, on the other hand, he I'm did going, that oh, mid penalty shootout in the against, FA Cup. I went down and uh, see the penalty against um, City as well, though, didn't he? Yeah, so. but any keepers conceding that penalty. I I really resent that I can't see him without hearing Rice say Ariola want to roll with a geezer. <laughs> <laughs> what What are the expectations then for this season? Because last season you had the fun of the Europa League and the heartbreak I guess but that ultimately killed you down the stretch this season is it we put all the eggs in the Conference League basket is it that you do kind of what Spurs did where that's like a side piece and what happens happens and you prioritise the league are you looking for Europa League finish top four finish what are we looking at here I think top fours well I don't want to say gone because of the start of it but it feels weird as a West Ham fan to say yeah top four is the goal yeah um but you know you stay in stay in the conference league you you do what you do let's be real we were in the Europa League we got we got a pretty decent group when we were in there to get through to knockout rounds and then we started to focus on it a bit more um I think you've probably got a little bit more time in the conference league before you decide whether where your focus goes so I think we'll probably make the decision further down the line you know, I'd like to think that we get quite far into the knockouts, if not win the thing. Um, but we need to be guaranteeing some form of European football. So whether that's winning the Conference League and going into the qualifiers for Europa or finishing in that top six or seven, whatever it is, for all Europa. And if you get to the semi-final, will you be going to the cinema or will you be watching the game? Depends what's out. Wait, you went to the cinema? <laughs> <laughs> he, he went to watch Spider-Man instead. Oh my days! <laughs> it's Doctor Strange. Okay, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that makes it worse. The multiverse of madness. No. Yeah, I but, didn't expect us to get that far. I'll clarify again. <laughs> That's a more heartbreak, and I had the alert set on on my on my Apple Watch, and it was it's the live score app, so it flashes up with the the badge of the team that score. So when I saw the West Ham badge flash up, I almost lost it. 
and then scroll down a little bit and sort of just crest while getting sent off. <laughs> if if I'm ever having a bad day, I actually remind myself of telling you that you'd equalised against us, and it just what brings, a the, biggest, it brings the biggest what? smile back. What a disgusting <laughs> thing to do! <laughs> like hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. Well, there we go. Um, I know how rattled you'd be if that happened to you as well. It's just such, <laughs> such an outrageous thing for you to do. He was having a meltdown that Douglas Luiz wasn't signing for Arsenal. What? We're, yeah, still, there. Yeah. we're, we're still there, Steve. Um, if Steve, you... it's like you were listening into the Arsenal segment, honestly. <laughs> I, could, but... I could taste the tears from here. <laughs> We've still got Blackton to get on, so uh, I'll have to bid you farewell for now. As always, both welcome at any Monday you please, and we'll speak soon, I'm sure. Thanks very much. Thank you very much. Cheers. We have got Jack dialed in all the way from, I was going to say sunny Germany. I don't know what the weather's like there to confirm if it is sunny or not. But Jack, dialing in, where to even start? with this transfer window i mean i thought i had all my notes ready and uh, you're still doing business i'll quickly run through incomings wesley fofana for 75 million mark kukarelia 58.77 raheem sterling 50.5 kula barley 34.2 uh carney chukwamenica 16.2 from villa gabriel slonina for 8.18 million from chicago fire Amari Hutchinson on a free from Arsenal. Connor Gallagher's return from loan. Armando Broho's return from loan. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang for 14 million plus Marcus Alonso from Barcelona. Cesar Casadei from Inter Milan for 12.6 million. We've learned in the last hour or so that Dennis Zachariah is incoming on loan from uh, Juventus. I don't know if you've actually seen that, Jack. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, you've got a new defensive midfielder in uh, on, on loan from Juventus. Uh, all, all a bit mental. I've got, I'm in a weird situation where I my phone doesn't work and it's connected to Wi-Fi for some reason. Um, so I've been getting these kind of updates throughout the day through drips and drafts. Um, but yeah, I did not know about that one. So after the deal that was rejected for Edson Alvarez yesterday, uh, Tuchel does get his defensive midfielder, so... Yeah, I think it's something that's definitely needed. Um, I, I still, after looking at all those signs, I still don't really see where we're scoring goals from, which is our main issue. We will get there. Uh, outgoings, we've got Timo Werner, 18 million. Emerson Palmieri, 13.86. Lukaku for a 7.8 million loan fee. Malang Saar, 900k loan fee to Monaco. Rudiger on a free to Madrid. Christensen on a free to Barca. Hudson Adoy on loan to Leverkusen. Ross Barkley's had his contract terminated. Drinkwater was released, and Marcus Alonso has gone to Barcelona for Aubameyang. Let's start with Aubameyang. So he's out for the next four to six weeks anyway. He's 33 years old. After spending 275 million so far, having a 90 million deal fall through yesterday for Guardiola a 60 million deal fall through last week for Anthony Gordon and a 50 million deal fall through for Edson Alvarez yesterday. Can you believe this is the striker you've brought in? Um, I mean, it's one of those where you kind of look at it and think it's the best of a bad situation. We can't go through mm. the whole yeah. season. Can't go through the whole season watching Havertz try and play a nine because it's just, <laughs> it's just not working. And we just look completely toothless. And we've spoken before 
Aubameyang is probably one of the only players that, from the list of gettable players this late in the window, where he can create a little bit for himself. He doesn't need everything to be passed onto the plate in the kind of 16-yard box, 18-yard box. Oh, I've so, just seen him getting out of a, of a yes, and saying, I'm back. Yeah. I was worn over entirely. I, I couldn't even like play the sound on the video. I was like, you know what? He won me over. <laughs> I, I, I can't, if he's got a broken jaw, I can't need a Kanye through the wire kind <laughs> of music video to come back to this. Um, you know, I actually joked about that the other day and felt so bad after. And then I remembered he's going to Chelsea. So I didn't feel <laughs> as bad. I just, I, I just saw the uh, chat shit get banged uh, tweet as if it was like Fuck 2013 sick. all over again. And he wasn't chatting shit. He actually had his house broken into, which is why I felt yeah. bad. But yeah, look, I saw someone claim jokes about this. I saw someone say that might make him, well, that probably scuppers any chance of a move. I was like, I think that's probably going to make you more inclined to move actually. I I'm probably yeah. sticking around here. I think I'll make sure I get out. Yes, Jack, can you even begin to explain this transfer window? You've spent all this cash and I mean, somehow you look worse. Um, you're in worse form than Frank was sacked for. Yeah, I, I've seen that. Um, I mean, we haven't played well since our draw with United in November. Our last game that I can, can actually think we played well in. I thought you played well against Spurs. Well, there was that. Again, I think that was more the kind of Stamford Bridge curse for Spurs because we haven't <laughs> yeah, maybe. we haven't looked that good against anyone else in Southampton Everton included in that and like Leicester were very unlucky not to beat us also um, even though we did have 10 men so god how bad Leicester must be I don't even want to get into that um, Brendan's in hell no I mean we, we haven't played well since we beat Juventus 4-0 at home in November last year Um Worrying, if I'm being brutally honest. Bloody hell. <laughs> well, um, I've just seen the list of the Douglas Louise deals off, so if I just. <laughs> well, I don't think my current reel would hold my weight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you're right in this sense. I mean, when I look at the outgoings, first of all, you can kind of see, I know we've talked about no strategy previously on different pods, but I think if you look at it from the outgoings that we've had go, and the people that we've brought in to replace them, I believe it's strengthened the team. I can see a bit of strategy in the workings behind with the fact that we nearly got relegated from PL2 last year, so we needed to bolster our youth team or reserves, which is why they brought all this youth talent to then come through at a later stage. and kind of understand that. But if you look at the defenders that we've had go out with Rudiger and Christensen, I'd probably say Kulabali and Fafana fit that mould for finally being 21 been very good PL proven um, and then you've got obviously Alonso going out Palmieri going out and they've got Carrera backing them up and he's looked really good so far so it, it was always going to look scattered when you've got so many players leaving on freeze and Aspen Quetta was also supposed to leave so I don't see any issue there really Again, and then with Sterling coming in and Aubameyang for Lukaku and Werner, again, it's just like for like. And I feel that, I mean, anyone could do better than Werner in a Chelsea shirt. I know he's just scored a hat-trick, which doesn't help my case here. But, That's so disrespectful. Um, I mean, it's true that as much as I wanted to love the guy, it, was just, it just never happened. Well, I, I think you're, you're over there, Jack. Take to the streets of Germany and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think you'll love Aubameyang for a few months and then it'll go off a cliff fairly quickly, is yeah. my expectation. I, I can't see this being a good move for us. I think it's just, a, 
it's a sign of our desperation of trying to engineer goals into this team. Don't give him that shirt. For God's sake, don't give him that shirt. <laughs> That's all we hope for. We, we genuinely need to retire that shirt. <laughs> give, give him 99 or something like that. Fofana is the biggest deal of your window. Um, how are you feeling about that one? Again, like, we, we look, I mean, we're leaking goals. My usual defence here is we don't concede many, but we don't score many. Whereas now we don't score many and we concede quite a lot. <laughs> um, so before where people were saying, oh, yeah, what this team needs is another centre-back. Genuinely, right now, I think that's probably what we need. Because um, we're just shipping goals left, right and centre and quite easy goals. Um, so, I mean, I'm quite pleased with the final signing. Um, I just, I, I worry in this system. I, I believe he's been signed to enable us to pay four at the back, which gives us three <sighs> and allows Jeez. us to, and allows us to pay one of Mount or Gallagher and a number eight. Can Tuchel coach that four at the back? I mean, it's, he can't, can't coach an attack. Five, can't coach a four at the back. He can't coach a five at the back at the moment. So <laughs> it's the last roll of the dice, if I'm being honest. And then Cucurella seems to seems to be ahead of Chilwell on Tuchel's depth chart, which, I mean, after what you've told us, seems almost impossible to believe. It's, it's, it's match fitness. So he, Chilwell started the first game against Everton and he looked leggy, he looked off the pace, didn't look sharp. He looked like a player that's just been out for eight months with a crucial in injury, an ACL injury, sorry. So there's that. And then Kukure came in, created a great, uh, few great chances against Everton and has just, just stuck since because he does look sharp. He, yeah, looks bang up for, he looks bang up for it. So it's one of those where if he is playing better than Benchel, which he, which he was, chances are he's going to retain that spot until Chiel gets a chance either in the Champions League or in the early stages of the Carabao, which is um, just remembered as against Man City. So, um, yeah, I'm, it's one of them. I think until Chilwell gets back fit, and then we've got two really good options at left-back, slash a left-centre-back, because uh, <laughs> they both played the other night. You were quite confident that Gallagher would slot straight into your first team. Are you surprised by how much he has struggled? Um, I mean, he's been played out of position... For a start, he's not a deep line covering six. I know that Tickle said that he's the most comparable to Kante, but if anything, the last two performances to go by is an absolute lie. <laughs> <clears throat> I mean, to be sent off in 36 minutes on your kind of like full home debut is not the most ideal situation. However, we were reminded that a certain Dennis Wise also started his career that way and it ended up not bad. So, um, oh, that's, that's all right then. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know if he wants to be compared to Dennis Wise. I mean, I don't know if he knows who Dennis Wise is, um, being his age. But I think it's going to take time. As a youngster, he obviously cares about the club because he's been a Chelsea fan and a Chelsea youth player for his longest time. So, yeah, I, it's one of those where he's going to have to adapt. It's not Crystal Palace. They're not going to be sat behind the ball constantly and then go on the counter-attack. But we'll have possession. If you get caught in it, you're going to be leaving your back four exposed or back five exposed. So it's going to be a steep learning curve. I'm hoping we've gone through that curve and then we'll just see better performances from here. What surprised me is if you told me blind that Chelsea spend around 300 million this summer, I'd assume that a portion of that, a large portion of that is on Declan Rice as a no-brainer. I think because he's just signed, he signed that deal, I think he's got four or five years left on his deal. I 
from the rumblings, because I haven't heard of Declan Rice going to anyone else, especially Man United, when they've been absolutely twerking for any DM that would think of joining them, in the end getting Casemiro, I think that he's probably going to go next year, next window, one more year at West Ham, and then there's going to be some sort of movement, because... It's just odd when you look at the fees you've been willing to spend. Yeah, again, though, I genuinely think West Ham would hold out for that 130. And there's been kind of rumblings of there being some sort of agreement with Declan Rice and Declan Rice only wanting Chelsea just because he was a Chelsea fan as a boy and his best hits with Mason. So I genuinely, I can, I know I could probably put a fair bit of money on that move happening either in the next two years. Um, mainly just because we haven't heard any noise about him moving anywhere else. I feel that if you were seeing everywhere that he was open to move now, I think people are just, West Ham are definitely saying one more year and then it's open season. Yeah, you don't have to worry about Liverpool. They're getting Bellingham. I I saw it first constantly (laughs) for the last six months on Twitter. I think if United were in a better situation, Chelsea would have something to worry about. But as it is, it was that such a chaotic situation? If you were hit, if you were right, so you'd go, I'll stick it out of West Ham before going there. Yeah. Um, so in which case, it kind of leaves Chelsea, you feel like. Yeah, I think so. And again, I think it comes down to like, he is a Chelsea fan. He's best mates with half the Chelsea team. And he used to play for our youth team. And he came through the ranks. So I genuinely, I can't see him moving anywhere else but Stamford Bridge eventually. Your issue is, as you said, I think they hold out for the money, but also we touched on in the West Ham segment we've done that they are showing signs of ambition by signing people like Paqueta. If they can end up turning it around having a good year this year, they could persuade them, look, we are going places. It's, yeah. not, it's not necessarily going to be easy to prize them away. No, definitely not. I, I, I agree. I, I mean, just from what I've seen, and again, the silence is deafening in that sense where there obviously isn't any chance of him moving this summer. Now, why is that? Because I imagine they've probably agreed that one more season's it and then it'll be like I said, be open season the year after. You're right with, I mean, not many people want to go to Man United at the moment because, like you said, just the pure chaos. It's a risk. There's nothing guaranteed. You could be vilified, you could be hated, you could be adored, but who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I do feel that there'll probably be stiff competition next year, but it's kind of part ruling the mind situation. I feel that would probably come out on top in that situation. And just the the last couple of things. Um, Hudson Adoy loaned out. Right move? Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely is. I mean, it, it's strange because if you told me the start of the season that Ruben Loftus-Cheek would have been our best player so far playing at right wing back, I'm going to be spent 300 million and I'd be scratching my head to see where the hell is that money gone then. <laughs> I think we're still doing that and we've seen what happened. Uh, no, I, I know. I think um, it's the right move for him. I'm glad it's not permanent. I think it'll be good for him to get like consistent game time. I think this will be... I genuinely think this might be his first loan, isn't it? Or has is is he gone to Fulham? I can't remember. Um, so it'd be just good for him to play week in, week out, which is exactly what he needs for his development. What are Chelsea's expectations for this season because the pressure was on Frank in this situation and ultimately spending money was probably the worst thing that happened to him are we feeling like two quarters under pressure or is does that I haven't heard any murmurings of that no I, th- I don't think so uh, mainly because I think Todd Bird has praised him so much um, through the whole process of last year with sanctions etc and how he handled the media in that sense 
also as well, these are Tuchel signings. Like Tuchel's getting sign off on these signings. Todd Bowley is out his input on these players. Um, so I'm assuming Todd's probably going to give him time to kind of gel these players into the team. And I imagine as well as a new owner, unless you're the owners of Watford, um, you kind of want some continuity with all the upheaval with new owners and new things happening. And they really feel from kind of the articles that I've read that Tommy Tuchel's their guy, you know, um, just from the way they work within the club on a day-to-day basis with, this, with the playing staff and then with the media and the external kind of outlets. So I think there should be more pressure and there should be more questions being asked. I mean, I'm not being funny, but to play the teams that we've played and barely beat Everton, we're very lucky to be probably one of the worst Leicester teams we've seen in recent times. Lose to Southampton, which I just, we won 6-0 there, not above one yeah. net. I just think it's been an awful start. Um, and 3-0 lead, and lost the leads in that as well, which we'll, we haven't played anyone really that big yet. And the time we did was Spurs and we drew that. So it's, last. it's hard to tell because as a fan base, you're just kind of used to losing managers. But I do feel like the fan base would be apathetic if he got sat tomorrow. Um, I, I mean, I, the thing is, you've got to question like, who's out there. Who really yeah, outside of the replacement issue. But in terms of it, if it was just for how you're performing and the direction you're going, I don't think it feels to me like the fans wouldn't be that bothered. Um, no, I mean, we kind of, I don't like using this tag because we've got a really divided fan base on Twitter. You get like a really mixed of opinions. You kind of get the international fans and then like kind of like the match going fans that have very like different, um, kind of vast void and difference in their opinions. I think your average kind of Chelsea fans would feel it's too soon to sack him yet. And it's time to kind of turn it around um, this season. And then you've got kind of the international fans that just want quick fire glory like mm. now. Um, that are calling for his head, Mason Mount's head, and etc. Which you kind of kind of tune out when you realise he got 32 goals and assists last season and it's one of our player of the season two years in a row. So do yeah. need to, to uh, bid you farewell, but just a uh, one word answer it. If you could rate your transfer window on a scale of one to ten. It's such a complex one to answer, but I'd probably say an eight based on... Blimey. I don't think that even needs anything added on to it. <laughs> I mean, if you consider the players we lost to who we've replaced them with, I think we've done some pretty decent deals. Haven't addressed some of the main issues like goals that much, but we'll see how Aubameyang starts in a couple of weeks. When see you uh, on Monday where uh, we'll do a deep dive into how garbage Koulibaly is, but we'll save that for them. <laughs> Uh, until then adios see you boys alright we're trying something a bit different here we've got Blackson dialed in on his train journey home so if he dips out that's why if we hear something out else then I don't know if he's bumped the train <laughs> the ticket inspector is going to be on the loose <laughs> don't know what the hell's going on yeah the, why haven't Liverpool signed Thanks. the midfielder Shield. I tell, I tell you what, I, I, I've wanted, I want to come on and say that I've done this as, you know, like a wind-up just to, just to see if, if this signing goes through. That's why I'm late, but I'm not. I mean, as you know, I'm late because I've got no signal whatsoever. It's but probably a nice signing in the midfielder. I've lost my head. Douglas Louise isn't happening. 
I'm in a bad yeah. place right now. It's the but, most emotional yeah. anyone's ever been about Douglas Louise. It, it really is. Yeah. It's the same. Like It could have been in Dombele, and I wanted a midfielder. <laughs> Edu, meet me outside the Emirates next Sunday for a square go. Yeah. But anyway, Liverpool. We've yeah. had less yeah. incomings than the other top six clubs. We've had Darwin Nunes, Fabio Carvalho, Kelvin Ramsey for a combined about 76 million and we've got Arthur Mello that's come in on loan without an option today and we'll speak about that in just a moment Sadio Mane Nico Williams Minamino Groyich Ben Davis and Origi have all left for some criminal fees mm. in there yeah there are yeah um, Nico Williams to, to name the first but yeah, yeah agreed we got, we got 3 million um, for uh, Burn Leno and 18 million for Nico Williams doesn't quite seem right it doesn't There's he's, he's a prospect there's no denying that that there's a prospect and then there's absolutely ridiculous how do we do it that's now for those two alone but the, problem, the only problem I've got is those two yes I'm on about Dominic Solanke we've made 40 odd million um, well I think 38 but then we sell, sell Manny I get he's got a year left but he's one of the best forwards in the world um but, but I, I'm under the impression that that conversation went something along the lines of, look, I want to, um, I want to earn a little bit more. Um, want to go out. I don't reckon it was nasty or anything. I just think we, we, we had our hands tied a little bit. I don't know if you feel that way as well outside of looking in. That, that was what I felt. Um, we didn't have too much choice when we did the best we could. Well, Arthur does seem like he's through the door. This is a player that's probably been slated as much as Rabiot. But his mum isn't his age yet, yeah. so he hasn't had the same amount of flack. <laughs> Rabio actually was being yeah. picked for Juventus ahead of Arthur. And you heard me, mm. what, a year ago when Arsenal were being linked yeah. with him? I love the bloke mainly from football manager reasons, yeah. but I know the guy. Uh, this is <laughs> Valencia. <laughs> <laughs> Valencia tried to get him. But they couldn't match the finances. TK, how are you feeling about this one? You might need to mute yourself for a second, Blackson. Yeah. This is Anfield, this is Stroud. TK, how are you feeling? As a loan signing, if, you look, if you're looking for a sort of body through the door, which appeared to be where we were at, it looked like we weren't going to go, certainly for anything big. Uh, we were just going to try and get a warm body in. Uh, he seems to have done that. He... As you said, he, he seems talented. I did see someone say he's basically like a, a budget Tiago because he's got similar sort of injury record. He's good, but you're not going to get him out that often. So it's got his problems. But if we can just have them injured when the other one isn't, it's fine. At 10 o'clock this morning, White Wijnaldum was trending on Twitter. <laughs> I'll take that. Uh, when you yeah. said, uh, by the way, that Rabio was ahead of him, I'm, I'm assuming he wasn't playing. It wasn't due to sort of attitude issues, was it? The Allegri just liked Rabio, I, I think. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, I just when you said that, essentially he's no different to Rabio, except his mum isn't his agent. You had me a little bit panicked. No, I think when you look at Juventus fans, they're not particularly kind about either of them, no, and it no. just seems that it's it's strange. But I mean, we spoke about. Juventus players earlier coming to the Premier League and proving people wrong. So, well, yeah, uh, that's it. I, I quite liked the Bentancur signing for Spurs and I canvassed sort of Juve fans' opinion and I thought, okay, he's going to be dross then. So, got to take everything they say with a pinch of salt, I guess. Well, 
Arthur averaged more passes per 90 than any other player in the Champions League last season that made over six appearances. When Thiago is out, the speed at which you progress the ball falls dramatically, and you've got to think that he can help with that. I've got... Yeah, I sort of chime in with that. I think that he could. Um, It's... Byron, I don't know too much about it. We touched base talking about Tiedemans and... um, Douglas we were Louise. also mentioning, <laughs> obviously, Douglas Louise, weren't we? Those were the two that we said. And I had no idea about Melo. I'm not going to come on here and say, look, oh, yeah, he was in my sights. Um, what I do know is he very clear. We've lost you. Oh, no. Not any informs or anything like that. But, um, Welcome yeah. Great we lost you in the middle there. But I think I got the crux of what you were we saying. It, yeah, we got it. Liverpool are short of central midfielders, obviously. Oxlade-Chamberlain's out, Thiago's out, Curtis Jones and Naby Keita are all injured. Jordan Henderson was forced off with a hamstring problem uh, last night. This seems like it was almost uh, the last straw for Klopp and that forced his hand. The next station is... It seems like it was a necessity, doesn't it? But it seemed like we were opening saying there wasn't much on the market. I just hope it hasn't turned into another... Um, that, there won't be a second on this, by the way. Apologies. Um, there's, it seems a little bit like this centre half that we signed from Preston North End. That's my only worry. I'll mute myself <laughs> that is disrespectful. I said, yeah, that's. I said in our, our chat, yeah, that, um, it could be another Saul signing for Chelsea, where you thought well, that's a nice bit of business later on on loan, and then he ends up just not really doing anything. That, that'd be the only concern. But if you get loan with no obligation or option to buy. There's fairly no risk attached, isn't there? Please take Yeah, but the, I would have liked an option to buy, but that just shows how much of a cheapskate we are. But cause what, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what situation are we in now if he does do really well? I guess maybe that's partly on Juve's end as well, though, isn't it? I guess. Maybe they well, say I think that. you look at the fees that they were charging for Kulishevsky and Bentoncourt, what, 30 million plus on each. You've got to think, oh, if Liverpool are only just moving for him now, they probably don't rate him like that. And no. so they probably think they can haggle for less and it puts them in a better negotiating position if they're not saying, well, you said you'd pay this much. Um, yeah, okay. He made 42 Serie A appearances in the last two seasons and he's made 22 international appearances for Brazil, scoring one goal. It, it's so weird because I was just looking at a description from him. Um, I translated it, so it may not be great. Um but they say that Mello is a player that transitions and fits extremely well into a play scheme that consists of depth and high pressing, which seems like that's perfect for Liverpool. Hmm. And a big thing with him is just his confidence is just on the floor. He's essentially been offered to almost like every club you can think of in the last two seasons. And Arsenal were the only ones really to show any interest in it. And then it was we're not going to pay that much for you so don't even think about it basically which has got to be an even further kick in the teeth he was offered to Valencia Gattuso was desperate for him but they decided he wasn't worth the money <laughs> as a theme he, he, he's almost got to have his confidence picked up and maybe Klopp is the best person to do that he's ended up being that Danica in Love Island it's just everyone's <laughs> just knocking her back constantly the confidence is on the road mm. Byron, quick one, quick one from me, just a question to you, yeah. because you are clued up. We, we spoke first thing um, closely about these two players that I mentioned, but this Arthur Mello signing, what um, 
what structure are Liverpool paying of wages? I, from what I gather, you're just basically paying his wages for the year. So I saw majority was the term okay. used. So. And he's on a lot, so that probably sounds about right. And if you're not paying a fee... That's that's my point, is, though. Isn't he on 260 grand a week? I, thought I don't think it's quite that much, but... Because oh, well, it would be high, though. 200. He was, yeah. He was 70 million from... Um, yeah, Barca. Yeah. So he was being called the, a, the perfect hybrid of Xavi and Iniesta at one point. Yeah. I, I think I'll, I'll take just half of one of those players. If we get, if we get that, then just, just tie, just tie us over 10 games like we're, that we're missing at the moment. Um, and freeze Naby Keita out of the squad. Um, that'd be great. Yes. Klopp spoke a couple of weeks back and he's spoken across the last fortnight and basically said, they aren't going to do any business unless it's for the right player. And he indicated saying, look, there was a player we went for and it didn't work, which we know to be to chew many. Yeah. Uh, it feels mm. very much similar to the, the things we're having, but you've actually got someone over the line. It isn't that there's no one else on the market that is better than what you've got just because they're not as good as to chew many. Um, like I, there is an in-between here. There's plenty yeah, on the market. Yeah. It's basically that you don't want to pay the money for them. Yeah, I think that I don't know if it's like deluded Liverpool fan with this or if it's Dreamland. I think there's a bid being prepared next year. My oh. obviously dream is it's it's Bellingham. And that's, <laughs> where, that's what's happening. But am I deluded? Yes. Absolutely. I think Liverpool fans are going to be very hurt by that because there is always going to be a club that's going to pay more than Liverpool, and so you're basically then benefit, uh, banking on Bellingham saying, "I refuse to go anywhere else but Liverpool." And we'll if you have see. a dreadful season in the meantime, whilst you were waiting for him, Harvey Elliott doesn't him a lot though. So. He's got, he's got. <laughs> if he's messaging me a lot, that's probably going to scare him off. <laughs> have you not seen the last few games? Come on, uh, look, great player. Still, not sure I would want to be having a chat with him. He he said to he's been messaging Jude saying, "Do you want to be my six? And Jude said, "I'd love to." Uh, that's that's almost, all I've heard. I also I don't know if you saw, but they made. Him and Carvalho made gun signs in a celebration last night, which is actually as bad as shooting someone. To, to I, to I, I so did, I did see that. They've actually uh, committed a crime. Yeah, uh, something... there was a there was a crime, but it wasn't on Liverpool's behalf. <laughs> it was the time wasting that I witnessed. I think Excellent. you'll have seen stats today that says this was actually of all the games played in the Premier League so far, this was the game where the ball was in play the ninth longest so far. Yeah, it was it was shocking. All that's I mean, what I'm saying. Henderson taking 94 seconds to get off the pitch, but I mean that's another that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I know, but uh, that was to sign Artemella. Telemans Telemans is the most baffling thing of this whole window. Like from June onwards, I mean you can tell when I think a signing is going to happen because I create a new football manager database with that player in the team, and I think every Arsenal save has had Telemans in up until about July. Um. Clearly, no club rates him enough to even pay twenty million for him. So there's something underlying. Something's wrong, though, isn't it? Mm. I don't know what yeah, it some... is, but clearly Liverpool feel this is a better option to have. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. It's I just unless uh, his wage demands are just idiots, because anyone would take a punt. I'm not sure. Unless he looked himself at like like not as a joke here but in thought I am declining here I need one big contract and it has been exactly like you've just said there that it is a this is complete speculation that it is his wages that's the issue 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, I mean, it does feel like your whole midfield has just got old at once. <laughs> I said that to you, didn't I? It's if it's just crept like it up on us, like... it probably shouldn't have crept up on Klopp. Also, yeah. the players that are out injured, if you're shocked that they're out injured, then I'm not yeah. sure what you've been watching for the last few years. No, Thiago, no, Ox, like... Kate, uh, even Curtis Jones, often injured. How, how Oxlade's still at Liverpool, I'll never know. I, I love him. But he just as a gets person, injured as an in, as, the right time. I've been off Instagram <laughs> for a bit, but as an Instagrammer, I love him, not as a footballer. <laughs> like, he, he's, um, he's, he's all about, like, he's just similar to Grealish five years on and he really will however old, but oh, it's just... I still have him ahead of Naby. <laughs> uh, Naby shouldn't be, I can't believe he's been offered a contract and even had the cheek to deny it. There's the blokes <laughs> on holiday for... He plays 10 games a year and he plays one good game a year. And I can tell you the one good game last year was against Newcastle. He did actually score and he poked in a brilliant goal. Okay. Um, good that game was against one good game last season. How, uh, how do we feel Byron, about... You're about... Yeah. How do we feel about Darwin now? Because the Haaland comparisons were nice while they lasted. But yeah, this feels... About, was it, it's a, it was a week, wasn't it, before the start of the season? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he seems like what? How much of a guarantee is he to get sent off on Sunday? The bloke was fired up from the stands yesterday. Um, he, Saturday morning, Saturday he playing. Blimey. Obviously, it'll be it'll be it'll be nowhere near the starting lineup. He will be um, on the bench, in my opinion. I think you can't drop Bobby two goals in two games, both at Anfield. Oh, His record before draft, that team. was yeah, I know he is, mate. And um, <laughs> you play me this week. Uh, no. Yeah, that'd be a yes, hat, yes, be a I hat am. Trick. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. <laughs> yeah it'll, it'll bag a hat trick. Don't worry, I'm the most unlucky man on the planet. You know? So, yeah, um, yeah, I think that Darwin, though, he's young. I, um, I was never sold in pre-season. I made that obvious to everyone, um, and he was unbelievable when he came on the Community Shield and the first game of the season. But he stood out in two games that were lacking quality for me. Um, and each time he started he hasn't been great you can make a case for the game that he scored four goals but if you truly analyse that game he wasn't brilliant um, I get that he scored four goals but if you watch it back the keeper looks like he's never played before he's tapped it into his own net twice um, the the one goal it was brilliant he was running through he took one touch he got it out of his feet and fired it across the keeper bottom corner that was the only time he impressed me in the whole of pre-season that I think that I'm not sold yet but I'm not um, I haven't wrote him off yet either, if that makes sense. Well, just the the last couple of questions here. Um, one of you, uh, talk to me about Fabio Carvalho, because for any criticisms of any business you have done, this kid does look the business. Um, I, I'll let you take that one, mate. Go on. He certainly looks more ready than I thought he would. Um, he looked good in pre-season, but you've seen young players look good in pre-season and then not, not get a sniff in first-team football. Obviously, he's been helped by the fact that, as you've highlighted, Mitchell does look a little bit old and has done in the last couple of games. And so him coming on just brings some, I think, some energy and enthusiasm that automatically makes us look a little bit better. Um, but yeah, he, he does look the part, doesn't he? He doesn't look out of place at all. Um, I thought he would be one where you see flashes, but that's about it. But he's already probably showed a bit more than I probably thought he'd have at this stage. I'd echo that. The only thing I would say is we were speaking uh, this t- about a year ago now on here, uh, Byron, and we said similar about Damari Gray's start at Everton. All <laughs> I hope is that this isn't a, a Damari Gray where he gets off to a flyer and then it's, is he even making the match day squad? 
at the start of next season. Do you know what I mean? So I think this is one where he really wants it at the moment. He wants to prove a point. Maybe let's discuss this and revisit this because I agree with everything just said in sort of three months. And let's see, is he still having this impact? Two goals in two games. Yes, that's great. But can can this, is the longevity there? If I don't know if you agree with that as well. It's, it's going to be up to, well, hopefully the, the rest of the team's performance picks up. And so you're not reliant on Carvalho being the goods this mm. early. So we're, we can have this from him on occasion, but it's not right for this guy to come on well. and change the game for us. Well, last yeah. question here. Um, is it too early to say that you need a rebuild, TK? I mean, the midfield yes. certainly does, but I don't know how you feel because a year ago, well, not even a year ago, a couple of months ago, you were pushing Man City right until the very end and now it's all doom and gloom. It's way too early. Yeah, yeah. People have been losing their minds. Um, you're, it's big word, I don't know, but Thiago can put a run of games together. So then when he comes in, him, Fab, play, we know what their record is. Then it's those two plus one. If Elliot carries on in this form, I can see that being him and Klopp changing it just slightly in there. Um, if Darwin At the end of the come, season, Arthur's keeping Thiago out the side. <laughs> maybe. The, uh, they're probably both in the same treatment room together. The, um, <laughs> I think, but if, if, I think if as well, I, I, I agree. It's Diaz way too early. And then we, we'll start saying that Liverpool are just as good as ever. Well, we'll have to, uh, it remains to be seen. But Arthur, I don't think he's been announced yet, but we know his medical's been completed. It's just a matter of the announcement. But look, maybe there'll be another Fakir moment. Don't you dare. <laughs> I hope Let not. Me yeah, don't do that to me, yeah. Uh... But Not when oh, you've had the window you've had, Byron. It's been hey, unbelievable. No need for that. We'll bid you farewell next time. Uh, hopefully, it'll fit you in better circumstances. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so, sir. But look, it's been a pleasure. Lots of love. See you in a bit. Shout out, Great Western. All right, we've got an extra guest, unexpected guest. We've got Luke Mann dialing in first time on the pod. We've had Jack from Germany. We've got Luke in from Cyprus. We've gone global this episode, TK. <laughs> And we've had Latin coming via Swindon, so it's, it's, yeah, it's gone big. So we're here to talk about Newcastle. We won't mention the game last night too much. Uh, I don't think you'll want to chat about that for TK. <laughs> yeah, no, not really, no. But when we did a podcast with my brother a couple of, uh, a couple of months back, Sven Botman, I think, had just signed that week. And we were saying that he's probably going to be the marquee signing of the window. And then Newcastle got one of those deals that just comes out of nowhere. It just hits like crack when <laughs> Isaac is just announced out of the blue, 63 million. And then he steps in, bangs one on his debut, possibly could have had a second. If, uh, I mean, I don't really know what they do with the offside calls these days, but Looks like Newcastle have got a serious player. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting it myself. Once it was like, was like the blue, um, he wasn't really someone that was heavily linked when you sort of look on on Twitter or anything like that. You know, these days. I mean, I just wanted to do. If you are a, uh, if you work in football or if you work for a newspaper or tabloid, you must have the easiest job in the world at the moment. Um, <laughs> you can literally link any player's name that's up for sale and just link them with Newcastle. Um, but yeah, he will, he hasn't been heavily linked with us, but I generally thought he would go to a bigger club. Um, not saying we're not big, but 
No, he was linked with us for, an eight, for ages, wasn't he, in January? And then... Yeah, I thought he was going to go to ECU. Um, I don't know whether it's true or not, but we hear he's turned down my United as well. Um, but we'll choose to believe it. We'll choose to believe that, yeah. But yeah, no, <laughs> I think it's, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, one hell of a look, looks one hell of a player. Or rated him myself, you know, prior to him coming to Newcastle. And uh, yeah, exciting to see how he goes. And do you feel we need him to hit the ground running with what's going on yeah. up front? And, uh, anyway, so. One thing, is is that a legit quote from Eddie Howe last night saying that they judged the VAR call on shadows? Or is that something that someone's just made up for Twitter? So much is made up on Twitter, isn't it? You've got to be very careful. What you I've genuinely tried checking it several times, but I can't see him saying it. But It, it doesn't <laughs> sound like it now. He says no, they went to the VAR booth really after and he asked him, can they explain why the goal was ruled out? And he said it was so close that they looked at the shadows on the pitch. <laughs> no, I mean... How I, would that I even work? Sort of, <laughs> well, the thing is, on the replay, you can see the two shadows. So it's like someone has done one of those lies that is just realistic enough that yeah, you could like, slightly yeah, believe yeah. I don't think it's true, but I wouldn't rule it out for the Premier League is all I'm saying. Thoughts come up with worse, uh, I will acknowledge. Yeah, no, I, I, I have no idea. I know he, he did sort of say in this interview after that he wants someone to explain where the, uh, the extra two minutes or so come from. Um, but I've not heard anything about him saying about the shadows. <laughs> And then, like, Sven Botman's come in, obviously, and he's not been chucked straight in. I think he started 60% of the games yep. since he came in. He was on the bench for the Liverpool game. I think he, he's played 90 in the three previously games against Wolves City and Brighton. How excited are you about him? And should we expect him to be the main man starting moving forwards? Yeah, um, Honestly, I mean, it can't contain my excitement. I think he's well, probably was one of the most highly rated centre backs in, in European football. Um, again, not someone I thought we'd get. I thought he'd go to Eastern Land. Um, but I thought we spent a lot of time on him. Um, I'm glad they got a deal over the line. Um, I think he's going to be our centre back for yeah for the foreseeable future. I think he's going to be one of the most key parts of the project. Um, I think problem is. He probably took Botman out um, because you know, he's played. Like I said, he's played last three games, ninety minutes. Um, Lasalle, to be fair, I'm not his biggest fan. Um, he's bloody awful. But he, yeah, he had a good game and showed up battling qualities when he, you know, against Tranmere. So I think Eddie wanted to, you know, get him in, and he's played against Liverpool before, so on many occasions. Um, I was disappointed in the start last night. Um, when I looked at the team, I was like, oh. then again, at the same time, um, I think part of that was to do with, you can't really drop Dan Byrne at the moment. Dan Byrne's been fantastic last yeah. season, you know, from January. Um, he's not an out-and-out left-back. Um, <laughs> you know, you can't imagine Dan Byrne running at the wing with a ball dribbling and, you know, putting a, a brilliant cross in. Um, whereas Target has got those qualities. Um, so I think he wanted to have a proper left-back you know, uh, that left back, Dan Byrne has to start. Um, probably not ideal having two left foot and centre backs playing together. Um, but you can't, it can be done. And I guess he just wanted the captain on the pitch at the time. But I, I, yeah, I was disappointed that he didn't start. But I think he's going to be the main part of our defence going forward. Because Newcastle have signed four first team players, and well, first team as in going straight into the starting 11 when you look at 
Pope, you look at Target, you look at Isaac, and you look at Botman. So they've been very careful with the investments this year. We never really do know how financial fair play works, but we're told that Newcastle are being careful just to make sure they don't hamstring themselves moving forward. And they've taken their time, they've picked the targets, and they've clearly invested where they where they plan to. I think your fans were probably hoping for an extra central midfielder, but it doesn't look at this stage like you're going to get one over the line. Yeah, I mean, at the start of the window, I, want, I, did, I wanted a centre-back or two. Um, whether the second one was going to be an experienced centre-back, you know, like maybe like a 33-year-old has been you know, played around Europe um, just for the experience. Because, um, you know, Botman is quite young, but you know, I was wanting to look at either experience or a youngster for the future. And what I mean by youngster, maybe like an 18, 19-year-old, you know, that's got the world at his feet. Um, but yeah, um, I wanted a winger. That's the one I'm most, I'm real disappointed about. Um, I wanted, Miggy's had a good, uh, he's had a good pre-season, um, good couple of games towards in the last season. Um, and he started okay this season, but I, I'm not overly convinced about him. Um, I think he tries, he tries his hardest. He, uh, he works his socks off. Um, but I, I just think he lacks that the, the technique and that and that, and that final final ball yeah. that he required in the wing. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he tracks back something that Maxi doesn't really like to do. Um, but. Yeah, I would like to wing her because I don't think that well, Fraser's pass is best. Um, Jacob Murphy, for me, shouldn't even be in the 25-man squad. I think he's absolutely, <laughs> yeah. wo- absolutely woeful. Um, I'd even go as far as I'd probably put myself on the right wing than him. Um, he's that bad. Uh, but yeah, no. I, yeah, I wanted another wing and I would like to have sent him in because Shalv is out for a while. We've got, obviously got the Bruno injury for three or four weeks. Yeah. Uh, Good to see Anderson getting some minutes. Uh, well, you said he got four, four signings. He feels like a new signing in a way. Um, he's always been like um, a really highly regarded in Newcastle, but with him, Leon got in a few loans and things like that, and he's, he, get, he came back and you know he hit the bar, didn't he? Um, again, was it last week? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on, it's Liverpool. Looked pretty good. So when he's had the game time. I think yeah, we should start to see him get one bit more minutes, and you know he you know, if he plays well, takes his chance while Shelby uh, is out, then we might see him and uh, Big Joe go you know forward centre mids and um, Bruno sitting. But ideally, I'd like Bruno going forward a little bit more because he does you know he is he is good going forward as well. And but yeah, just like, like I said, like centre mid, yeah. Just finally, uh, expectations for this season? Are you getting carried away yet? No, um, I always I said again at that season that I would have been very happy with top ten. Um, I still maintain that we've had a good start to the, start start to the season, but um, <laughs> well, <laughs> much different to last season. We didn't have any wins in like God knows how many games, but uh, no, nah, I think you know the teams above. You know, there's no chance of breaking into that top six. You know, very very unlikely it won't happen. Um, anyone that thinks we would do, or any Newcastle fans saying that we should do, I think they've, they've had one too many brown ales. Um, no, I think if we can get, say, eight, I'd be over the moon with that. But yeah, I would, I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just be happy with, <clears throat> I'll be happy with top 10, you know, ninth, 10th. I think that's it. Just keep moving forward. 
Yeah, and I don't think if we got Europa, Europa Conference League, I don't know if that would be good for us because we've got a strong starting eleven when everyone's fit, but we haven't got the squad depth for we uh, yet for Premier League for you know the cups and your Conference League. So uh, yeah, I'd rather have a, maybe a have a season or two out of that and just keep on building and getting a squad. Um, that to the standard of maybe competing and something like that. All right. Well, we'll bid farewell to you here. Thank you for coming on. And pleasure. Got what two hours left of deadline day, so we'll see if anything else happens. <laughs> I'm not holding my my, my, my get my hopes up for anything like that. But oh, yeah, Conor right, Conor right, Gallagher, right, Gallagher, Gallagher would have been nice. I wanted him, but mm, yeah, it would be nice oh, on loan or something like that. But yeah, I can't see mm. us getting in there. Oh, all right. Adios. All right, chaps. Thank you. Take care. Cheers, mate. Cheers, That brings us to the end then. So 13 people have been on this podcast, us two included. Forrest has actually signed two players whilst whilst just while we've been recording. No matter what activity you're doing, Forrest have just signed two players. It's a fairly good rule of thumb. Um, Nothing for Arsenal yet. Um, Still, how are you still saying yeah? I've, I've got it at some point. You've got <laughs> to look at yourself, you've got to look at yourself. Because maybe this is on me, maybe uh, it's my fault. Just when I thought I was out, I saw <laughs> one Arsenal may yet go back in a third time, and like <laughs> they pulled me back in. But no, I'm, I'm oh. also passively aggressively, passive aggressively, uh, sharing retweets about uh, Edu needs to go for this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's making me feel somewhat better. Um, actually, in the time we're doing this, we've had two outgoings. Ainsley Maitland-Niles have gone to Southampton. And Miguel is very on brand for everyone. Yeah, Miguel Aziz, who we thought we might get some Europa minutes, has been loaned to Ibiza, so he's going to have a good old time out there. He said, fuck an actual career. I'll just go there and enjoy that. Uh, it's just so, so, so depressing. I mean... Did my best not to hijack the Chelsea's pod and I mean Great Western didn't hijack our Liverpool segment, to be fair. <laughs> it, it's it's mad. I I wish we could have like unfiltered all on nothing access because I'd just love to hear the discussions today. I was speaking to Troy and I said it was weird enough that it's taken till today when they decided, okay, we best go in for Douglas Louise because we need someone which means they weren't planning on someone before that which is fucking criminal it is outrageous that you can look at this squad and say this is ready in terms of offensive talent it's probably the most exciting squad we've had since 2007 2008 which made my favorite arsenal squad to watch in my lifetime and now it's just like Oh, I said top of the league, but it just feels so depressing. We got Lokonga against Casemiro on Sunday, and they rested him for sixty minutes here, so he's going to be feeling fresh. It can just turn very quickly, and I know you shouldn't do transfers for the sake of it, but this doesn't feel like it's for the sake of it. This feels like it was very much needed. And uh, oh, phone flashed up, and it's Sean. This is like Big Daddy. We wasted the good surprise on you. <laughs> It's difficult because on the one hand, I'm, I know I've said, look, you are top of the league, there's reason for optimism. But the, the complaints from the fans are things that are basically preempting where your season is going to go wrong. 
and I tend to agree in terms of it's going to be which could we've seen it. It's going to be lack of depth and injuries. Yeah, like you said, which we've seen countless times from Arsenal. And you're a more talented, better team now, but it doesn't change the fact that those problems still exist. Um, and, and let's face it, it could stop you having a special season. I really think there's something on the cards for Arsenal this year. Um, Even, and it feels like those upstairs maybe don't grasp that there's an opportunity here. I, I think, and I said this uh, last year, I think there's almost a fear of having too much that there is the expectancy. Yeah, like I, yeah, I think agreed. you have at this stage. I can I can hear already Edu doing his little roundup and saying, well, look, we've improved, but also, I mean, look at the money that Tottenham has spent and look at the money that yeah. Chelsea has Chelsea's spent. 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 And so, yeah. look, we've got United. to compete with this. We can't take anything for granted. And you can see all these things playing out. As you've said, the, the money was clearly there because you did go in for players. It just, yeah. you got knocked back. And let's face it, that's probably where I think some of the criticism from Liverpool fans from Mariners is coming from is that while you have this whole thing you don't want to go big on someone but you were willing to go big for two and many so yeah. it's not like there's no budget as much as we appreciate maybe we're going to have if you're going to go for a blockbuster signing we'd probably cap one in us a year at the same time you were willing to go in for two and many so it's not like it's not possible um, as you said both are operating in this certainly Liverpool always want to hit a home run and almost don't really swing for anything other, other than that and Arsenal potentially could find themselves trying to do that as well if they're not careful. I think and they've done some really good business as some of what it's worth, but you do have some pretty any situation whereby the fans are calling it and it seems pretty obvious. I do think people at the club have got to be seeing this. It seems crazy to me that you can't. We referenced um, when we did Liverpool the fact that you brought in that Ben Davis and and these. Sometimes you you do just need the bodies there just in case of a emergency. Probably not the best example, is it? Because you never played him, but I know it. Yeah, no, but that's what are. I mean. But it, like Southampton inquired for Nat Phillips today. And I'm surprised he, no one's gone for it. Well, supposedly Liverpool have basically said you need to give us serious money if you want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think, I didn't think we'd find him playing. He's already had a game this year, hasn't he? So, and it's. Uh, I have to say, having two injuries shouldn't be a reason enough to have to go into the market. But when you have two injuries and you do feel the need to go into the market today, that probably tells you that your squad planning wasn't good enough. And I don't know what Edu sees on his little whiteboard in his uh, house that he shows you quite proudly on the documentary, but just having that oh, well, look, Zinchenko can play left-back and he can play midfield. Well, Tierney's injury-prone. And having, well, Zinchenko and Xhaka can play Partey's role. Well, Partey's injury-prone and we've got Tierney who may need the cover on the left. And all of these things, just because players can play multiple dis- positions doesn't mean they should. And it's... You also have to move them out of position to do that. So it's kind yeah. of, you're just moving the problem around here. It's not... And so I think they've done well to build up a lot of good favour and I'm not saying that because it's not the, the player's fault that immediately look, we lose one game that people should just be up in arms. But what will happen is when you do see Granit Xhaka go down with an injury, the discontent in the ground is going to be people going, well, we should assign someone who can come on and do this now. The defensive, when you look at, okay, Tierney's out, we've got Zinchenko in. When you look at Tommy Asu out, Okay, we've got Ben White going across. We've got Saliba and Gabriel there. This is what we should have across the squad. And even if it's not to that level of strength, 
you should at least have two players per position. And the fact that we don't even have that is pretty terrifying because our squad is actually thinner this season and we're, we're playing more games. Like, <laughs> I don't know, but the bloke should lose his job. He'll probably get a contract <laughs> extension. They're going to have their big pat on the back tomorrow. They'll say, look, we tried the fees. You would not believe that we were quoted. Well, that's what happens when you leave it to the last day. Yeah, it's difficult because the signings you have made have been really good. So he's he's going to dine out on that. And, and ultimately, this has been a good window for you, but just not as good as you'd hope it could, it could have been. Um, which, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's Like you said, whether it's an expectation or, or something to hide behind or what, but it feels like you started the summer really, really going for it and just pulled up the hammer just a little yeah. bit. Um, but look, I, I think you're you're still in for a really good season. So I, I wouldn't, I'm not as downbeat as well, you fans are. In the last one minute, we've had Mark Irwin, Arsenal chase for Douglas Louise is over. And then Jack Rosser from The Sun. Arsenal are about to submit a third offer of 25 million. <laughs> How the hell do you start the day at 20 million and two bids later, you're 5 million up? <laughs> what were those in between bids I don't know what the hell is going on um, Gold Brazil asked, Douglas Luiz agent is trying to make the move to Arsenal happen until the end well unfortunately he isn't the one putting the money up so he can keep trying but does he have a winger he can bring in as well because as much as we can <laughs> this is meant to be a roundup, and I've just had to just get all this off my chest it really has Marquinhos is the guy who they, you're going to hear tomorrow. You're going to see something in the athletic like Arsenal were really shocked at the level of um, yeah, tactical yeah. intelligence by Marquinhos. He's already been elevated to the first team and they expected to make a real push this season, similar to how Martinelli did. The guy was going to be loaned to Grasshoppers two weeks ago. Yeah, that's, that's not a good sign, is it? Even just the the team you're picking there on loan should tell you you don't yeah, go from maybe yeah, being exactly. loan to grasshoppers to I don't know and then maybe they do just want to kill Saka I saw a tweet earlier and it says Saka's legs at the end of the season and it was one of those pieces of uh, pork where it's just literally falling off the bone <laughs> so there we go Nottingham Forest have signed their 24th player Chelsea has signed Zachariah. Arthur Mello should be confirmed any minute. I don't know what the hell's going on. If anything drastic happens, I'll get my mic back out to record something. Well, now, look, talk sport, third bid has just gone in. What the hell is going on? It's happening, baby. Because talk sport, uh, if Villa is saying they want 40, and we're, <laughs> I don't know what the hell, man. I interest you in 25. And I don't even think it's Arteta too, because in the same way that Klopp constantly said, I need a midfielder, I need a midfielder, I need a midfielder. Eventually, you'd, oh, I've just seen that Kia Drabtune is Douglas Luiz's agent, and you can't even get this one over the line. Jesus Christ. I used to see those clips of people that people would laugh at where they just like punch themselves in the head. 
<laughs> and they must have been Arsenal fans. Because it all just feels so understandable now. Although maybe not, they don't have the jab that I do, so risky. That's lethal. But we'll say goodbye now. Unless anything drastic happens, this will be the end of the episode. Apologies to any fans of clubs <laughs> who have had terrible windows who just had to listen to me there. Well, yeah, I feel I mean, for you. Because you must they must be now thinking, what the hell are we gonna do? There's a Leicester fan out there somewhere who's just yeah, throwing Leicester, himself in a bath of a toaster. Leads. I mean, there's certainly ones that have had it worse, but they're not they're not competing they're in not the way. The arse. Exactly. Up the arse. Maybe uh, if I know when Jack's train's coming in. No, I won't go there. (laughs) 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 Thanks again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll be back next week. Goodbye.